Previously on Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, (laughs) there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. Perfect Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. (laughs) Do you own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. <laughs> What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? <laughs> I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> Okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. (laughs) I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. Well, I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy this is like the Manhattan Project. Her man is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay, the two people. Her man is not Moses. Moses Here's dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do that. Moses the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years? That just okay. inspires confidence and crime-fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch. Not while on the toilet. There's no way we have Wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have Wank. Don't take offense to this guy. You guys are the most dysfunctional people. (laughs) These are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And now, Potterfic Weekly. So, Ron, the next time you're feeling jealous of me, because I'm so famous. At Quidditch, just remember that time that we took you to Slughorn's office and you nearly drank yourself to death. But I saved your neck. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. This is Jen Cullen Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm P.S. Mike. I'm Tina. And I'm Mac pulling up the rear. Mac is pulling up the rear. Okay. (laughs) Now, we thought we would start tonight's episode by telling you that Mac is back. I know it rhymes. It sounds really cool, but Mac is, in fact, back. But (laughs) something shocking happened, you know, as this episode began. Apparently, Jen was not aware of the fact that Battlestar Galactica Season 3 is now out on DVD. (laughs) So Jen's immediate first reaction is, I can't podcast tonight, I need to buy it. So right now we are interrupting our discussion of Nightmare of Future's Past while we check to see if the apparently Fort Worth Walmart has Battlestar Galactica. Okay, hold on one second, hold on, I've got a call. Do y'all hear that? So Mac, you've been gone for a year, you've been fighting, you know, forest fires and hurricanes and I'm pretty sure you've saved children from wells. How are you doing? Tired, busy. As we podcast this, there's floods all across the country, and there's a good chance I will be gone again tomorrow for another three weeks. And you're spending your remaining time with us. I, what can I say? When I get to be the rear, it just makes my night. 
Yeah, this, so is much true. this is true. Mac is taking up the rear all evening. Jen, how's it going? Jen? <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like the guy on like the twenty four hour cable news who ha- who gets like a piece of paper. There's a hurricane in Ecuador. Do three hours on that, and you're like, okay, let's go back. Do we have Bob? Be- no, we don't have Bob. Do we have Bob? Let's try Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob. No, we don't have Bob. Okay, um, let's go to a break, and when we come back, we'll try Bob again. Like I have Those nothing. are always so entertaining to watch. I love hurricanes. And then you put on MSNBC, and like you hear like Bob on MSNBC because he couldn't <laughs> get through. Right now, I have seven people on the line, and we can't talk about it because season three of Battlestar Galactica is out. Jen, why would she mute us? Y'all were talking. Y'all were, yeah. Oh, hold on. Yes. Yeah, we have season three. Yay! How many copies do you have? <laughs> I mean, do you think that there will be enough copies after 11 o'clock? They're out of the One or two. Do y'all do a reserve thing? No. Uh, oh, okay, good. Thanks so much. Bye. Yay! Billy's right. a Cylon. I'm just kidding. Hey. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I Cylon thought Billy was happened. the person she talked to. Why <laughs> is Billy from Walmart? I don't even know who Billy is yet. <laughs> no, Billy is the president's aide. Oh, Silence killed the president right. in season three, though. Mike, thinks, <laughs> Mike, Mike thinks he's talking about Star Wars right now, so that all works out in the end. So, Mac, Wait. you could be deployed at any moment. Jen's on her way to Walmart. Tina has to go pick up her kid, and that leaves P.S. Mike and me. Isn't that how it always is? That's usually how it always is. He acts like we do nothing. He, he does. <laughs> right Can I now. say one thing? We're going to try something new here at Polarfic Weekly this week. Usually we oh. start our episodes and we have the Jen story. This week I'd like to try something a little different. I would like to have me trying to explain to you the Jen story I heard this week. Because sometimes <laughs> I, th- oh, cool. I find it funny. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Jen last night and she's <laughs> and she starts doing that laughing under her breath thing. Now usually when I call Jen, I'm like, Jen, how are you? Death! Death, destruction, death, destruction. How are you? And then I'm like, oh, I'm having a terrible day. Um, I have to go to the laundromat and I'm, I need gas and, um, maybe I'll run to stop and shop. So, like, I always feel like an idiot because, you know, Jen has, you know, the, the locusts attacking her and Mac is trying <laughs> to rescue her and, you know, well, Mac is taking up the rear right now or else he would have told you that. And so I call Jen. <laughs> And I'm like, so, so what happened? And she st- starts laughing and she says, my husband woke me up this morning and says, you're never going to believe what happened. Now, I can't believe that Jen does not wake up every morning with someone telling her you're not going <laughs> to believe what happened. So she explains to me that there was, you know, bad winds, rain, locusts, children, children screaming, nuns flying through the air, <laughs> awful weather. And they woke up in the morning and they noticed that their mailbox was missing. Now, this is like, you know, like the Farmer Bob mailbox that goes in the lawn with the pike. And, you know, if, the, if a vampire comes by, you can, you know, shove the mailbox is, through their heart. Mailboxes look. It doesn't have a mailbox like that. What? Okay, Jen, not everyone lives in rural Texas. I'm just like. It's my mailbox <laughs> in a room with a bunch of other mailboxes. Jen, I have Those a question. Jen, oh, yeah, we Jen, don't have a people thing. What? Jen, do you, do you feel you... <laughs> do you feel... Do you feel you live in suburbia? I do now. Okay, I have a question for you. Because we moved away from the country. Do you, have, do, you, do you have any cows? 
No, not anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. Moving on up. All right. So they look <laughs> so over at James, her husband's car, and the mailbox blew out of the ground, like <laughs> spinned through the it air, snapped. spun through the air, <laughs> smacked <laughs> the car, and ripped off the antenna. Oh, I'm so frustrated. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, let me get this straight. You're going to call your insurance agent and let them know that your car got hit by a mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not the other way around. No. It did. The thing was laying on the trunk when James pulled me outside. And I'm like, oh, my God, who broke our mailbox? Yeah, it was someone, You thought someone vandalized your property, ripped yes, your mailbox out of the ground? Yes, that was stupid kids down the street. And those beat your emo kids. You know, emo kids. <laughs> someone beat your car with the your mailbox. No, I didn't think they beat my car with the mailbox. I thought they tore the mailbox down and set it on the car. Why did they do that anyway? Because they're the stupid emo, emo kids. <laughs> Jen lives in- <laughs> pull the mailbox down. Can I tell you something? I have to tell you something. I live in a very nice area. Like, people love where I live. I have a burglary in my house like three months ago. That's how far apart we record these episodes. And all of a sudden now, I'm trying to explain to my mother that the insurance premium on the house is going to go up. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. We live in a high crime district. Oh, no, we don't. I'm like, yes, we did. The house was just burglarized just the other day. <laughs> and so she, so now she's getting used to the high crime district. Now, I live on somewhat of a main street, and a couple kids were driving down the street. They were being punks. They must have shot, like, a BB at my front bow window. Because, like, weeks later... Because li- why not? There's a li- <laughs> exactly. Because, really, there's no cows to... T- so there's a little... There's a little indentation in my... In my in the pane of glass, and it's spidered a little bit. So I have to replace the pane. So now my mother is, like... She was, like, apoplectic after the burglary. Now she's, like, beside herself. They're, like, they're shooting at us now! Like, we're... So I run, I go outside. I go out I go outside. She she's out driving around doing errands and she's like, I'm gonna come by the house and can you bring the thing out to me? So whatever the I bring the thing out to her and she's talking to me as I'm like leaning into the car and I'm trying to get away from her and she keeps talking. I'm like, Ma, I have to go. I'm in a very exposed position. They can pick me off. <laughs> Oh god. Okay. So and and just to, and just to let you know, in a couple of weeks Danielle's going to be all set in New York and she's moving home. So she's actually going to move in with me. She's moving into my house. I'm glad Kim from me you're like none of there isn't here cuz she'd have issues with that. So Dan- <laughs> Danielle is moving in in with me and now she's starting to think about it. She's like, "I don't know how comfortable I feel." Cuz she feels like she's moving into like, you know, the the war zone where she could be <laughs> the criminal. She, she could be shot. Well, no, then I lost power the other night. She's like, I don't feel too safe about this. She lives in New York City. <laughs> she lives in New York City, but she has not want to move into suburbia because the entire crime district is the entire edge of my property. It's like the war zone. <laughs> so that's what's happening now. So there. Well, it's funny. Uh, I, throwing that out there, I live in a war zone. So if you if the if you hear sniper fire in the middle of the podcast, everyone remember Jen's in charge. I can't believe you thought my mailbox story even compared to that. That was beautiful. <laughs> Your car got hit by a mailbox. No, and then just to fill in the story, because we have to get to the thick tonight, Jen also then realized that her sewage system leaked all over the front of her lawn, and they uh. stepped on their newly installed hardwood floors and cracked right through the wood. So Jen uh. was having a bit uh. of a day. 
all that happened in like the first 20 minutes of waking up. Can I just, and I'm not a good early morning person to begin with. I'm sort of the, uh, until I have my coffee. Can I just tell you, Jan, I have, no. I have, I have seen Jen early in the morning. She is not, ex- <laughs> Mike, I have a question. Mike, are you an early person? Um, I don't necessarily wake up early, but I wake up wide awake and ready to go. Right. Here's the here's the deal. When we were all in New York together, Mike lived um, a couple oh, of man, yeah of subway <laughs> shops away from where uh, Danielle's apartment was, where my friend Karen and Jen and myself um, and and Danielle um, had spent the night. You said Danielle's. I t- <laughs> I'm doing the thing in my head. I'm like I'm missing someone. <laughs> Just say Danielle again. Okay. <laughs> Danielle was there too. I remember seeing her. So. <laughs> It's like, like, like I usually get up at like quarter of six every morning. It's like nine thirty in the morning, and we're all sleeping. And Jen's phone goes off, and we're like, "Oh, what the hell is that?" And Jen answers the phone, and she's like, "Hello." And you hear Mike on the other end. Hey, Jen, I'm outside. You, you got who the hell is? <laughs> but then she told me to show up at that time. Show up at nine thirty, ten o'clock. And you hear me in the other room, I'm like, tell him to come back at four <laughs> And Mike's like, Are you awake? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. Totally awake. <laughs> Poor oh, Mike. Right. You only it took you like another two hours actually, so I'm impressed. <laughs> For us that was really damn good. <laughs> that was really good. Well people don't realize when I when you own your business you set your own hours. And so I usually don't even get up to go to work until, um, well, I mean, I don't open shop till about 10, Texas time. <laughs> so waking up with Danielle at like 7 New York time was like, oh my God. It's really hard. Well, I don't know. Dan- but it was fun. The thing working with Chi and, 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 now I'm not saying Jen's name, Chi and Jen and I working together is that I am a very early morning person on the East Coast, and they're in, <laughs> they're in the Central Savings Time area, and they are not early people. So I'm calling Chi at, like, 7 in the morning. Hey, Chi, I had a great idea about the latest. Oh, look, Chi's, we got disconnected. So I call her back. Speaking of which, mister, I'm going to text message you at 7.30 in the morning. And just so you know, when you text me, it, uh-huh. it rings just like you're calling. When did I text you at 7 o'clock in the morning? You texted me, like, last I week, and you feel like... And I was like, "Oh, oh, that I'm went not through." Him back. Oh, that yes. went. Yes. Oh no, what happened? I tried to use the new delayed defer, like deferred delivery system. Thing. Yeah, it didn't thing? work. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It was. It was seven a.m. New York time. Well, James was like, "What the? What is that?" And I was like, "It's Brian." He was like, "Tell him don't call this early." And I'm like, "He just texted." He was like. I hate your boyfriend. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jen, I hate to tell you, but you're not my type, like, at all. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. It's so funny. Well, the deferred James, delivery James, my system husband, he, he just loves my relationship with Ryan. Oh, it does. Oh, man. <laughs> Did I tell you, by the way, Ryan, that I got yelled at that day? What by day? someone in okay. Danielle's apartment. Well, after Jen told me that, I was just kind of sitting around reading the paper out there, uh-huh. and someone came down and yelled, like, you can't sit here. Who are you? Do you live here? And I was like, no, I'm waiting. But she's like, wait outside. You can't wait in here. Oh, were you waiting in, like, the little area between the doors? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this like, strange dude came in and started yelling at me. <laughs> he was probably the super of the build. <laughs> well, no offense, Mike. You're six foot five, and you told us you were mistaken for yeah. a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, when I went 
Paris. They thought I was Algerian. Actually. Oh, that's true. Well, you, yeah, you're not really Algerian, though, so I think we're all right. <laughs> if I was Algerian, then you have to worry. Well, that, yeah, of course, because we haven't offended anyone on today's episode of the Perfect Weekly, so let's start <laughs> We do now. apologize to everyone who we might offend, potentially, ever. Ooh, that's actually new for us. A disclaimer. Ooh. A disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's start the podcast now. As we start tonight's chapters, which is uh, 17 through 22 of uh, Nightmare of Futures Past, I just want to say this. Does anyone else have any final thoughts on Harry being a bagel? Because we're done with that. I have, I have no final, final thoughts. Mike, what is your final thought? What I don't get with the people who call him a bagel is the impression... He's a bagel. That pr- the impression I get is they'd call it bagling if he was with Ginny. But they'd also call it lots of bagels if he was with Umbridge. So it's like, who can Harry be with? Whoa, whoa, I did, whoa. I, is, um, Umbridge is not in these chapters, is she? I'm, no, I'm, I'm just saying if she was. Why would be, If she, if she was with Harry. Is, Umbridge is middle-aged. Where do you get that from? That's, that's, that's Are my you point. saying that's why if I a child is in love oh, with an adult? Yeah, no, 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 no. He's saying because Harry's an 11-year-old body. Yeah. Right, well, so I've seen this. My impression is the same people who'd say bagel for him to be with Ginny would be saying, would be saying a bagel. he was with Umbridge. So it's like, poor Harry can't win, because no matter who he's with, from one perspective or another, it's lots of bagel. No, I, I take Mike's point. If he, if, yeah, yes, if we, the people who say he's 30 years old would then, you know, argue that if he wanted to, for whatever reason, have a relationship with someone in their 30s, that he's in an 11-year-old body, and if he's 11 years old and wants to have a relationship with someone in their low teens, then it's inappropriate because he's a 30-year-old. Yeah, he can't right, That's what I'm getting at. Can't win. He should do, like, in the mirror of maybe and turn into an adult. No, we're not doing that because and- there's leather in it, and if we have leather in this fic, then Jen will never watch the third season of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, I so I think- wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a question. I have a question. All right, Matt, go ahead. Does that mean if you're a ghost and you're, like, 500 years old mm-hmm. and you fall for someone who's, like, 30, would that be the equivalent of bagel to the age difference? No. That just means you're really, 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 really old. But wait, yeah. would it be a bagel if a ghost of an 11 year old fell in love with an adult uh, okay. person? That would be necrophilia. Necrophilia? Alright, we have oh, the number one. I know I started that. We gotta stop saying bageling. Yeah, because can I actually yeah. say something about that? Go for it. Because I haven't listened to last week yet, but I've listened to the, f- the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Who's cackling? Jen heard the word Sorry. necrophilia, and now she can't stop laughing. Oh. The word bagel is very strong. Yeah. And just because, I forget who made the point in the first episode where this was being reviewed, but, you know, Harry is, I, I think Harry's in love with the idea of Ginny at 16. He's not necessarily in love with Ginny at right. 10. Right, Just a bagel. It's a very vile kind of Yeah, I thing. mean, the argument that some people were making, which I very much disagree with, is Harry was in some way trying to manipulate Ginny in much the same way that someone would attempt to manipulate a child, which I don't... I mean, you, I, I would even disagree that Harry is consciously trying to manipulate people. But I mean, that, I think that's where that comes from. But I think that we've—I I think you're—if you've listened to the last two podcasts and the start of this one, you either have an opinion now or you're not going to have it. I mean, that's there's only so much we can talk about that one particular point for. Okay. All right. So I think, but that definitely works with me. And I—you know what? It was actually funny because actually reading through, I'm a little bit for once in my life, I'm actually ahead. I'm up on—I'm up, I'm up on like chap. Oop. Sorry. <laughs> Mac, you're right. <laughs> Mac is actually being mugged right here on Perfect Weekly. Mac, you're, 
I thought what? he was in the Congo. Okay, Mac is in the Congo and he's being mugged by... Who lives in the Congo? The Congonian? I'm not in the Congo. You uh, keep telling people I'm in the Congo. I am in Peru. You're Are in you Peru? Peru? Peru. Totally different Re- forest. What the hell are you really doing really in Peru? Peru? I thought you were in Philadelphia. He's not in Peru. <laughs> okay. Where is Peru? Alright, we're playing Mac on Stop mute. Peru. Mac's getting a timeout for a while. Did you just ask where Peru was? I'm looking it up. Don't worry about it. Uh, South America. It's down. Well, yeah, but where? I know it's down. Hold on, P.S. You didn't know where New York was, and you live in Maryland. Why are you get to make fun oh, of people? I did learn that Boston was above New York. <laughs> I just always thought in New York is up, and then suddenly it wasn't. It's just not as up. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Tina. <laughs> oh, good it's, God. It's, it's northeast. You know how those guys are. They, you can lump them all together. New Yorkers, Bostonians are all the same. Oh, New Yorkers are the cool ones. Right, Mike has been uninvited from all future perfect. Mike, why am I uninviting Mike? I meant Mac. Sorry, Mike. Ma- you know what? I don't know anyone's name. I'm shutting up now. All right, let's talk about the fic. Now, Jen, do you have any points you would like to jump off with tonight? Like, I know? would. Okay. Um, without going to any one specific scene. You know, we already know that sh- that Matthew, I love using his first name. I don't know if we're supposed to or not. But anyway, Matthew, dearest Matthew. Um, I love how he wrote the characters a little bit more mature, I think, than people their age group normally are, especially with the character of Harry, due to the fact that he's like 30. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) excluding that fact, though, I think that I like, because of the changes that he's making, because, you know, he is sort of manipulating and tampering with the future of this new place, the new future since everybody died before, mm-hmm. so it's okay. Um, they, um, I like how the Ron and Hermione's relationship have. It's it's sort of like they've sped up a bit. Like in in the canon, we had to wait until book seven for both of them to kind of like knock their heads together and go, "Oh yeah, hey, there's you." And I think what I really like is that they're already noticing each other. I think in a way that's even more so than more than just friendship. It's so much more prominent. And they're being, I like that, like, Ron defends Hermione. You know, it, when it took him so long to before, I feel like Canon Ron was always such sort of a an idiot, but like most teenage boys usually are. Yeah. Yeah, but that no was what, <laughs> to me, but that's what was made Ron appealing, was that he was so clueless. Yeah, I, I really. It just made yeah, me. Run. I miss. I miss that. He's not the the clueless Ron trying to muddle through things. I think well, there's a trade off too because we're in this fic. You have, um, I mean, Ron's progressing faster with Harry, but the other hand, you have Neville, who, at least in my interpretation, never was jealous of her of Hermione and Ron in canon. But now you kind of get the impression he he wants to be with Hermione, and he's kind of upset because he has no chance. So like, you see, I guess both sides of the changing. What do you mean by upset that he has no chance? Well, because right, he always shoots Ron those looks because you know he knows that Ron and Hermione are kind of together now. And... I don't. Ne- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just leaving an area for me to put the crickets in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Are you choking? <laughs> okay. <laughs> testing, testing. Well, I'm, uh, I was just trying to make a point that you see like the unintended consequences. But on the I, one don't, hand, I don't think have... that that you no. Know, <laughs> But I don't think that Neville wants Hermione. Oh, I disagree. You think? Yeah, so? I think. So. I think. I think he kind of does. I think at the begin- 
Yeah, I, I saw one little <laughs> glimpse of it, but I haven't seen it like. Well, no, because it's so obvious that Luna, Luna's like, well, even our initials well, can stay the same. Well, in I fairness, mean, in fairness, in fairness, I have read further beyond these chapters, and there's there's something that comes up in in in, in the late twenties, early thirties that 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 would imply the possibility of that ship. But there's also another factor in there that Luna. <laughs> Well, no. There's another. I know what you're. I know what he's yeah, talking about. But, but there's something else in that plot that even if something says yes, this, this could definitely happen. There's there's another like wrench in there too that kind of makes you wonder. Well, is it something they would want to have happen anyway? There's a scene earlier on when when Neville does have you know a reaction to Hermione. I forget right. what it was, but it makes you think that there could be the a possible. longing look kind of. Yeah, thing. like I mean, a longing he did, look. He did in the canon. He did ask her to the Yule Ball the first. Like that, she, she was the first girl he tried. So right. I oh, if right. He, that's right. I see it more as like a like a like a like a road not traveled kind of thing. Like maybe does he ever wonder what would have happened if things had worked different? Like that's cool. But well, no, because Hermione needs a man, man. <laughs> and Neville is sort of just not like a nerd boy until oh, no, seventh book. No, no. Hold on there. Because he beats the <laughs> snot out of Draco for insulting Luna. In the seventh book. No, in this story. Oh, in, in this story. In this story. He beats the I wasn't talking about this. I was talking canon. Sorry. I'm sorry, but that Neville died. <laughs> I was talking to him. Whoa. This is, this is Neville 2.0. And Neville Don't two point hear you say that. Is that you? Not out of Draco Malfoy. <laughs> Jen has no comeback for that because she's a little intimidated by me now. I think. I know. I'm just gonna let you have that one. Okay. Round one, Ryan. <laughs> You're like I have to go pick up. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Sorry. No. Like it's, been, it's been one Yeah, but can I just say this? Too? I mean, like I was actually trying to think. Of, like, Jen and I were having the conversation before. The podcast, as we frequently yes. do, as Jen's husband is glaring at her to get off the phone and, you know, spend time with him. But she's like, no, it's Ryan. I have to stay on the phone. Um, <laughs> if I go missing, this is why. Um, but yes. <laughs> when you look at the story, Jen asked me one of the, why do you like the story as much as you do? Like, you seem to be very Well, because about- Ryan was gushing. I was gushing. Gushing. Like, Gush- I don't even gush about Danielle. I was gushing about the story. And I'm <laughs> like, well, it. I actually don't see it as... Like a like a like a because she was saying she likes post Hogwarts stories. I was I was using that as an example. But one thing I said was I I treat this like a post Hogwarts story because the story begins in year like thirteen or whatever or year twenty three. It begins <laughs> well after Hogwarts. Everyone has concluded. Okay, yeah, well, I, I was going to say concluded their character arcs, but yes, they're all dead. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, T.S. <laughs> They're all dead. They all no, but that, Ryan. It's only like that in the in like the prologue or the chapter one. Like, yeah, but then I, it I, goes back yeah. into a canon esque fit. I well, mean, not canon, but canon with the like years. Canon with cog in the works of Hogwarts years. That's what no, I meant but, to say. Hogwarts but, years. but not fully though, because here's the thing. I originally said in the first episode, <laughs> and I said this. What she laughs at me, but I have strong I convictions. She's you. mocking my faith. Okay. I'm you. you are mocking I'm disagreeing me. with you. With laughter. Well, she mocks. Yes, all right. <laughs> but, well, it's I like had... putting a smiley face at the end of a, a yelling at. <laughs> all right. So in the early <laughs> chapters, I had said I had wished the story had been written from a perspective of, you know, 11-year-old Harry gets glimpses from the future and he can see the thing with the fire and the smoke and the locusts and it's terrible. And, you know, have it be Harry going through his Hogwarts years trying to figure out what's happening. Now, that's a different fic. I mean, I'll, he's writing this one, and that's fine. But when you look at the story he's actually written, 
it's a post Hogwarts fic that does have involve time travel and it does tell the story, you know, predominantly from the Hogwarts years. It does it, it brings us through the seven years, presumably, of Hogwarts. But this isn't Harry not with, post Hogwarts. No, but I gotta, I gotta agree with Harry. You. Who, yeah, who, I gotta agree, Jen too. Okay. And I'm also gonna throw out there. Not, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. I'll no, agree with you just because it's you all right because I'm about to kick all of your you asses. I'm about to kick okay, all of your finish, asses. Okay, let him finish. Let him finish. But the thing is, is that this Harry is guided by the post Hogwarts events. He's guided by his knowledge of what happened to every character. He's guided by you know, all of the training and all of the experiences he had, you know, as he went in the Horcrux hunt and defeated Voldemort. You know, everything from, you know, how it affects him. If someone walks up and puts their hand on him, he, he may jump because he has a reaction. He remembers everything. Those years weren't wiped away. It's not a reset button. It's not this never happened because the timeline was changed or blah, 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 blah. That Harry still exists. A piece of of the Harry that went through all of that still exists. The Hogwarts massacre matters. You know, the the destruction of the borough matters. You know, the, the, the fact that, you know, the Weasley twins died, you know, in, in, in the war and, you know, Charlie and Bill died. How does he, that matter? Because he's... Because he's, it matters to Harry. It matters, it. It matters to but, Harry. That- Ryan, though, here's the thing, though. Like, let's say you, personally, as Ryan, went back, got sucked back in time to the 19th century, right? Uh-huh. What happened to us in the 21st century and, you know, our history in the 20th century, it still matters to your perspective and how you view the world and what you're going to do. But your story is now set in the 19th century. Your setting is a 19th century setting. Well, true. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying the story is set in post Hogwarts years. I mean, it's obviously set during the Hogwarts years. But what Jen and I were having it's was a conversation. Post Hogwarts. Yeah, this is a story yeah. which is based. I can see that, Ryan. I yeah. agree with you. I, I, I kind of see it, but I don't think I believe it. Well, in can terms say- of yeah, let me just say one thing. The conversation was in terms of you know I like post Hogwarts stories. I like Hogwarts well, stories. I, I like Mariah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, Jen, you may speak. Thank you. It's just because I said I didn't necessarily like Hogwarts stories much because to me they felt a bit repetitious because we already know what's going to happen. We know that in the first year it's going to deal with the Sorcerer's Stone. We know the second year it's going to deal with the diary. And the third, we're going to figure out that, you know, Lupin is a, a werewolf and Sirius gets out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And to me, in reading those stories, I'm sort of like, nothing is a real shocker. Nothing's a real surprise because you know what's happening. You know what's going to happen next. You know where the story's turning. And yeah, it can be in a different point of view and things can be done a little bit differently, but still like there's no big plot twist that I'm going, oh my gosh, over. And that's what I was saying. But but the big difference between this and canon is that this is not a plot-driven fic. This is a character-driven fic. It's more about the development and the changes in the characters and how that will later affect the plot than the changes in the plot. Because we know the plot's going to be mostly the same. And, the, and one, thing that's different, one thing that's different in this fic, though, is that you know, you'll know you read some stories where the audience knows certain things that the characters don't. In this fic, the characters know what's going to happen. This isn't a story where we're like, oh God, what's going to happen at the end of year one? What's going to happen at the end of year two? Because we know what's going to happen. But Harry has that perspective as well. So it's not a matter of looking ahead to see what the mystery is. The, 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 The story is how does Harry react to the present knowing the future? Does he give Jenny the, the diary? Does he, you know, try and go against Dumbledore to free Sirius? Like, 
what decisions does he make based on there's no the story isn't based around suspense of the future the story is based around harry and his internal struggle and the decisions he makes well, I would disagree with that. Just, I want, hold on, I want to disagree with that just a little bit. Okay. Because some of the suspense in this story is these slight changes that he's making. How is that going to change the future? What's going to happen? And they already have and just very slight things, you know, escalating things with, with uh, Draco much quicker, and building up Neville's confidence. And part of the suspense for me is now that he's making these changes, What's that going to do in the future? Because it's already changing something. Yeah, I I agree That's with that. That's how I read I mean, these fix too. Yeah, I haven't read as far as Ryan, I don't think, but um, at least my interpretation is what I'm expecting is I'm expecting it at some point to become an entirely original story where we see as time goes on more and more things diverge till by you know like year five, it's now it's no longer has any bearing in the canon. It's its own. Yeah, I thought that too, Mike. Only because things are happening faster in this storyline than they did in the canon. You know, he's a, he, you know just just in year two already. He's um, told Arthur, for instance, about the secret room in the Malfoy's house. So, I mean, that didn't happen until what book six? Yeah, that's. I mean, there's. So it's, I agree with Mike. At some point, you, I would expect that some original plot is going to commence, and Harry's going to be uh, not know what to do because the timelines are now going to diverge. And that's true too. And just another point as well is there's for me the story is about like I said Harry's internal struggles towards trying to change the future. Like for example, within the storyline that we have, you're going to see you know action taken with the Horcruxes. And one of the things that that, you know, makes me question is, as we know from having read the canon, Voldemort was a moron because he only picked Horcruxes that had significance. It's really, really easy to find them. So as a result, he's able to be defeated. How do we know that Harry won't, based on his knowledge, wipe out the existing Horcruxes? Voldemort will catch on to this and, you know, start turning you know, Pepsi cans into into Horcruxes and we'll never find the damn things. I mean, he could very well... See, huh, huh? Yeah. see I, I could be evil, but I'm not because I'm good. He could really screw it up. And is Harry going to get overconfident? I don't think he is. But you're right. I mean, it, it is definitely... It's like a V. It's definitely diverged from the beginning and things are getting more different, more different. And I've read a little bit further ahead and it does happen. Things are getting really pushed up and condensed because like Harry's says at one point, I'm not going to spoil it, you know, I know what's going to happen, I might as well try and get out in front of it. And if this is going to happen in five years, why isn't it, we, we'll just let it happen now and get it over with, you know, let's go. So, I mean, that is one yeah. thing that, that we're going to be seeing. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, this the, the, the story is based around future events. I just want to say, too, I mean, we're going to get into the events of these chapters tonight. I'm very impressed with the way that the um, future events are handled in terms of Harry's, you know, flashes to the future, usually in the form of his dreams. This is a story that's based out of the present, but the future still feels real too. It's a complex future. It's not that, you know, they went on the one year, um, Horcrux hunt like we had in the canon, you know, people die over the course of many, many years. It's a very gradual change. You know, Hermione is is badly injured, but she pulls it together and survives. And the Weasleys are kind of picked off one by one, almost. It's Mm -hmm. It's a very gradual, gradual, gradual change to the point where as Harry finishes, he's literally he's down to just Ron, and then he has nothing left, and then he wins, and then he 
that's when the story picks up. I just I just want to point that out that I'm very impressed with the way th- the story itself kind of carries on. I just want I want and mentioning his dreams makes me think. I mean, this is probably further, but I know Ryan, you've gotten sort of to this point, so you'll know what I mean. Is that like you are already beginning to see like original and unexpected outside of canon plot elements being introduced. Yes. And I have... There's stuff that happens in these chapters I want to get to. Now, I will say for the record, I think I'm in chapter 32. 32 or 33. And there's only... We're out to... At the time of this recording, I think we're out... We have 35 out. Is that right? We're up to 35? So are you... Are you still technical... Are you still in the Chamber of Secrets? I'm in your... No, I'm in in the third year. Because I've read it all. I was just wondering where you were. All right, there's a... There's 35... There's 35. Okay. Um, there's a point that comes out. To, we might as well just go a little bit out of order here. There's a point that happens at the end of chapter 21, um, and it refers to the agent in place, and it refers to a student who is carrying out instructions. Yeah. First reading through it, now, I might be having a mic moment. <laughs> moment <laughs> um, first reading through it, my first thought process was that for whatever reason, I thought it was Neville. I have no idea why. I thought there was something funky up with Neville. Um, and then, as you get um, deeper into into the storyline with some events that are happening, you know, in in the future chapters, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's Draco, maybe it's one of the Slytherins. Um, I don't know, but there, it introduces into the into the plotline that there's someone there who may be above the story, who may understand what Harry's doing, and may be working to stop him. That was my first thought from having read that it seemed like this wasn't you know like a like a spy who was put in there to take out harry it seemed like this was something you know that that was temporal in nature that seemed like a big deal and as i read through now there's probably people listening to this who were just like shaking their heads at me my thought was what if there's someone who also went back in time and knows what's going to happen in the future that would be cool that was my that would be a really cool plot twist because that that would make me happy because then it would be my thing was, we're in chapter what? We ended in chapter 22 or something. Yep. And I still feel like I'm like waiting for something new to happen. I mean, it, I'm sure it's getting there, but it just, my, my impatience. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a thought. Yeah. That, was yeah. a thought that was a thought I had. There was a moment that came, that comes up in a future chapter. It comes up around when they're in um, February of the second year. There was something that happened, which I was certain was going to be a major plot point towards that. And I don't know if I'm reading too deeply into the story or what. I mean, I think it would be a cool thing, but wouldn't you just that if you had someone else who came back who was on, who was like a Death Eater or on Voldemort's side, when we then had the problem you brought up, Ryan, where it's kind of like, well, if he goes to, it goes and tells Voldemort that Harry's destroying the Horcruxes, Voldemort can turn a Coca-Cola can into a, Horcrux. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the canon, he could have turned a Coca-Cola can into a Horcrux. I mean, but in, in, the thing doesn't really make a lot of sense, because Harry did a very specific, very difficult thing, and would anyone else have the ability to do that, and would it be coincidental? Would they have to use Dumbledore's portrait in some capacity? I don't know how they would do that, but that was just Well, like- yeah, because Dumbledore's portrait knows what Harry did, so if anyone happens upon the Hogwarts ruins, any other wizard who's still not dead... See, is the future still happening, you know? I think it is. I think it is. I think they're all. It's, it's, oh, that's not going into. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Time. But, but, but I, I just actually. Oh God! Stop! Wasn't it. one of the. Sorry. Wasn't one of the keys to. Jen's like that, scream something that will get me noticed on the podcast. Wasn't one of the keys that younger Harry accepted 
older Harry that you know like it was kind of like a double sacrifice like yes. older Harry yes. younger yeah. Harry so, you, so you'd have to find someone who was willing not only to kill themselves but who had a younger self who was willing to sacrifice some of their younger self for the future self yeah let me throw out my real well, not just a younger self just a younger someone it doesn't have to be yourself it can be just someone younger willing to take you in the way like Quirrell took in Voldemort in the first book can I throw out my completely crazy... Can it really be that? Like, does it say? Because I can't remember. Let me throw this out. I'm going to throw out my completely crazy, completely wacky guess. Now, bear in mind, this is coming from the same person who, during the year, year like none other coverage, formulated the brilliant hypothesis that Pansy and Parkinson was a garden <laughs> gnome. So, you know what? Take this with a grain of salt, everybody. Draco from the future dropped off the face of the planet. My hypothesis... As of chapter 30, and I apologize to, to Viridian for, for screwing this up, is that Draco Malfoy somehow went back in time, and the Draco from the present has the memories of Draco from the future. And there's hmm. silence in the room. Having finished no. it, I can't remember if that would... that, that ugh. Having finished it, I can't say you're wrong. And you know what? There's There was a little... There was one point... I definitely thought that was going to be it, and the story didn't go there. And then the point came up again, and it could have been like that. It could have broken again, and it didn't. It, it wasn't said. So I'm like, I don't know why I'm thinking this because usually I'm not that bright when I read, and I like I usually don't guess. Oh like, please, no, whatever. I, no, I, this I, from the guy who like guessed every single thing like perfectly. With what fake was that? I can't remember. Like but you were. Oh, I picked yeah, up on like, clues. I think this but... is going to happen. And we were all like, holy freaking crap. And that's true. And I really wasn't cheating. But you know what? Because you're freaking amazing. Yeah. And then I freaking. went to Pansy as a garden gnome. And then I lost all my yeah. words. So, yeah, <laughs> and then we laughed happened. at you. Yeah. No. Okay. And then we laughed and laughed and laughed. So that's my guess right now. It's probably not going to happen. But just throwing that out there. Had they said that Drake, Draco went, went the missing. future he just went, went missing? He went missing in the later days of the war. Oh. Wow. I, I either missed that or forgot it 22 chapters ago. Yeah, Draco. Went- I remember. I remember that happening, but I just that paragraph you were talking about earlier brought this whole discussion up about the agent in place at the bomb of twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I just took what you just said, went back and reread that, and it's frightening that those two don't cancel each other out. You could read that into it if you chose. That's my and thought. Yeah. I, I hate you because I hadn't considered that, and now I have to completely relook at things a different way. Because I thought I knew what was going on. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, well, you're, what did you think? Yeah, who, who, who did you think the agent in waiting was? Possibly. See, that's the thing. I didn't know who it was, but I thought it was someone who definitely knew about the Chamber of Secrets. Because when they said, you know, things are not progressing as they should. That's how I... It's certain as why. I'm like, okay, it's someone who knows that there is supposed to be a Chamber of Secrets story going on, and it's not. And then when you said your Draco comment, because the next sentence of that story is, as he lay back on his bed and stared at canopy, well, that makes me think, student. But right, no I'll, other student was involved in chamber. I, let me say this. I'm going to throw something out here for the for those, for Tina. And Ryan, I'm just going to say that from, I've been poking around in, in chapters that are past this podcast. And I am totally on board with your theory. So I, I just want to say this. For people who are reading forward, maybe look for it. Um, this theory I had, it isn't based on anything I've really read. Like, I was starting to think, at first I thought it was Neville. Then I'm like, well, what if it's Draco? Because then it, when I said Neville, I'm like, what? Neville is kind of like the R.L. Stein version. It's like the, you know, they want you to think it's the, it's the, it's the last person you'd suspect. 
So you think it's like ne- it's Neville or Gran? I don't know. <laughs> and then you're, th- but it's the students. It's obviously not Gran. It's it's it's, it's Nigel. Nigel is the agent in waiting. Because Canon <laughs> Nigel, Nigel is incredibly Cannon. underused. Jen would say so if she were here. She went off to buy Balasar Galactica. But um, <laughs> no, that's not true. I was I'm just choking kidding. and I was putting on mute so I wouldn't no be like <laughs> right. the whole thing. It's let not me, my fault. All right, let me just say this for. Tina, for who's reading on in Mac, there's a point at the end of the second year where Harry gets a Valentine from Ginny, and it's the same right. Valentine that he got when she was in her second. Remember the Valentine he got in the original timeline, the really embarrassing one. Well, Toad. Yeah. yeah. She told him, "I didn't send it." Yeah, but I thought we determined that was Fred and George. Harry determined it was Fred and George. But it was never... It's not. It's one of those things where he kind of let... Oh, it's Fred and George. They went into Ginny's room and got it. But I don't think they ever confirmed it was Fred and George. Yeah. Go back and read that scene. I'm just saying, you go back and you look at how... Can I say? Yeah, go ahead. How how Draco acts in that scene. Like, he... Can I read the bit? Yeah, go ahead. It just says, like, Draco's eyes flickered from Harry over to Ginny. And then he gets back, like, into pretending to be... You know what I mean? Like into being, like, teasing Harry. So it's like he's, he's like, kind of sizing them up to see how they react. And there's a point later on where the, where he makes a comment to Fred and George, that'll teach you going into Ginny's room or something like that. And and Fred and George didn't deny it, which which hurts my theory. It's not like they're like, what the hell are you talking about? We didn't go into Ginny's room. But yeah, it could be one in a hundred different things they might have done, though. Yeah. Yeah. And they could they could decide to, to take... To like take responsibility because no one else was, my, you know. Yeah, like my, it's kind of like how. Okay, but here, here's my the question. The terrorists say they did it, even though they didn't. You <laughs> for, for Harry to go back, that was a pretty advanced bit of magic. So much so he had to have Dumbledore's portrait help him out with it. Right. How would Draco pull something like that off? I have no idea. Maybe he, there's he a that. good reason Draco has gone back and he got the Dumbledore portrait help. Maybe Draco Why went back years before Harry Draco? went back. It yeah, wasn't. I'm not wait, wait, wait. Like, maybe, maybe Draco... Wouldn't maybe, that be your dream come true, that he was good? Some, like, crazy... Are we thinking this thing. could be possibly, But this like, is after Voldemort the war. No. This is my thought. This is my honest-to-God thought. Because how far in, in, the, in the, the original future, when before. did Draco drop off the map? It doesn't say, but time isn't a factor there. Say, okay, say, okay. Um, every, everyone dies at Hogwarts when Harry's sixteen. All right, so that's year sixteen of Harry Potter's life. And Draco is also sixteen. Right. When when Harry Potter is thirty, Harry Potter goes back in time to when Harry Potter is eleven. So he goes yeah, from year thirty to year eleven. If in year twenty five, if in year twenty five, five years before Voldemort is defeated and Harry goes back, if Draco through. Because his life is over, because Lucius is dead, because of, you know, well, I'm not sure if Lucius is dead there yet, but, you know, um, probably not. I think that's a little bit later, but whatever. Say if Draco went back in time somehow in year 25, and he still arrives in year 11 at the same time as Harry, maybe he goes back to the same point. It doesn't His original ma- age is irrelevant. Right. right. Or where it does that's, no, matter. No, that's not what I mean. What I meant is, is like, he- we don't know how, oh, I'm sorry. I see. Yeah. Draco needed to prepare the spell. To go back in time, so we don't know when. Right. He could have dropped off the map at sixteen and then spent like fifty years preparing the spell. Right. But then exactly. he was like, "Are we really supposed to believe back. that, though? Are we supposed to believe that?" It was a throwaway line. It was a throwaway line, and my thought is, wouldn't it be really cool if? Here's the thing. Say someone, and, and we're going to get to the story. This is my crazy theory of the day that we're just talking a lot about. Say, for example, 
assume Draco's through some means having to go back in time because he wants to rewrite history like Harry does, but he wants to come out on top. Okay. Say somehow that happens through some means. He finds out that Harry did it. He knows, well, no, he'll go back in time and he'll see Harry doing different things. He'll see Harry won't be behaving like Harry. Harry has, he's an Aquamans now. He has powers that he never would have had before. Somehow Draco figures it out. So now he's taunting Harry by delivering the, 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 the Valentine that Ginny delivered the first time around that she didn't deliver this time. He's taunting Harry that there's someone else here who knows what happened. What I happened. Really. I don't the know. The thing is, the thing is using, cause I want to say two things. I want to say one is using the word, the phrase waving makes me sound like he's not doing this alone. Somebody sent him back. He's working for somebody. Yeah. And second, I'm a big believer in reading too much into throwaway lines because I know that's the way I write. Yeah. So like if I had written this fic, that would be important. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, that's, that's my, so when I yeah. read stuff, I do read too much into throwaway lines. So that's just my theory cool. now. It's probably wrong, but I'm just that was really what jumped out at me um, in these in these chapters. Max, do you okay, want... I just want to say one thing, and then I'll be done with that theory too. Okay. And that is, Harry comes back in time and is making very obvious, very notable changes in his favor and in his friend's favor. Mm-hmm. Based on what Harry has seen in this new future, Draco and his cronies are. Pretty much, Draco might act a little different, but his cronies haven't really improved or gotten better. So, um, Draco might be getting better himself, but I don't think he's really taking it to the extremes that Harry is. Wait, so maybe changed in Draco's yeah, orders. Yeah. Wait a little bit longer. Wait a little bit longer in the story, and you might change your mind on that, but, um, I don't know. You think he gets more supportive? <laughs> Y'all are giving me too many, like... We need to watch the hints, because I don't want to know. No, we're not. I mean, Believe me, this is not a spoiler. This is just okay, a spoiler. No, I just no I'm, make sure. I'm literally not. No, stuff happens with Draco. The only spoiler was that I read a sentence from no. a chapter that you haven't read. No, one of two things happened. <laughs> I either thought, hey, if I were writing this, I would try and take it in this direction. Or, number two, um, for once in my life, picking up on the clues. So, I don't know. But now I've recruited P.S., so if I'm wrong, I'm going down with a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but let's get back into these Ryan, chapters. Ryan, 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 you don't have friends, don't lie. Oh, Matt, hey. I've missed you so much. Really, when do you have to leave again? Is it tomorrow? Oh, sorry, Mac. I love how I'm taunting Mac. He's going off into, like, floods to save the starving children of Indiana, and I'm just like, is it raining in Indiana? I just made that up, or is it raining? I have no idea. No, there are no, floods Indiana. in Indiana. Are there? Missouri, Missouri Indiana, Indiana, Ohio. Ohio. Uh, and Texas. No one here. It rained today. <laughs> Jen's like very upset. She's looking out of her window and seeing her car with a mailbox on top of it. She's like, <laughs> yeah, there was rain here. Right. <laughs> See, so that's interesting because that kind of throws my. I, I came in, I read this story, and the only problem I ever have with the story is that Harry never tries to redeem the Slytherins. That it's kind of like he gives Malfoy's 11 years old. I can picture Harry at the campfire at the remains of Hogwarts. He's like, Hermione's dead, Ron's dead, Ginny's dead, I'm never having sex again, the Weasleys are gone, my life is over. You know what? I just wish I were nicer to Draco. I should have hugged him more, you know? I just well, You know what, Wally? That's, that's actually a really good point, because that's the big reason he doesn't trust Albus. It's because he thinks Albus is too trusting and is trying too hard to bring out their good side, and that led to their downfall. He specifically 
not trying to redeem them. Right. And, well, my problem He's trying is, to exterminate them. <laughs> condemning, like, there's some line in the chapters where he read, where he went, yeah, Draco, and he's as bad as his father. I'm like, he's 11 years old. How is he as bad as a Death Eater at 11 years old? Yeah, I, I think I said that in the first episode. Like, I mean, I don't even like Draco. I mean, it just kind of, it's like, Harry is essentially, for this purpose, is 30. So it's like a 30-year-old writing off an 11-year-old. I mean, that's different than an 11-year-old writing off an 11-year-old. I'm well, just playing. As, as, I, I guess I would think, I would hope that Harry, I mean, I get what you're saying with, you know, too much trust, et cetera, et cetera. But you would think, you know, you know try something so that, one quarter of, you know, the people your age don't all wind up fighting everyone else. Well, here's the thing. Harry didn't go back with, and I think we touched on this before, Harry didn't go back with a flow chart saying, here's the 103 things I can do to change the world. <laughs> I mean, Harry... I would have gone with that. P.S. would have. Yeah, exactly. I know. P.S. Okay. I would have gone back with a flow chart in the first thing <laughs> I would do is get Horace back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> like number one, <laughs> 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 or a slughorn in the Chamber of Secrets. But, um... <laughs> oh, like she's getting like a girl. <laughs> but, but seriously, Harry thinks that Draco killed Ginny, and it's implied that he thinks. Jaco, Dr- Jaco, <laughs> and it's implied that he thinks Draco did a lot worse stuff to Ginny before he killed her. It's very like I missed that last time. Meg commented on it in the last episode. I missed it. It, it, it oh no, but I, yeah. we don't know for sure that Draco killed Ginny. He doesn't Harry know. just no, thinks. He, no, he, yes, he, Harry. We're looking at this from Harry's motivation. Why isn't Harry nicer to the Slytherins? Right. He's not gonna be. It's it ain't happening. If this were Jen, she would take him home and hug him and hold him. And yeah, I mean, I can kind of see how it's like in character for Harry. So what I'm sitting here saying is, I think Harry is a jerk. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, he's not a jerk. He's kind of he nuts. But here's the thing: he, he's kind I, of nuts. no, he's not nuts. He's Harry's had a very bad life. His parents died at a very young age. He lived in a closet. He got the shit beat out of him. He went to Hogwarts. Voldemort and then tried, the world died. Yeah, Voldemort <laughs> tried to kill him at the end of every year. All the flowers died. The wells dried up. His friends, <laughs> like everyone in the world, like his big fear in life was, you know, my I'll, I'll watch all my friends die. And they all said, of course you won't, Harry, you stupid little kid. Then they all died. Then you went back in time and then Vernon beat the crowd. He's not working on all cylinders. <laughs> yeah. Harry needs a therapist. Oh, when you put it that I was, I was way. Say, though, but that <laughs> mouth like, years really of therapy. Isn't I guess, but if Malfoy really isn't eleven, then I guess they can't complain about that. Yeah, this is true. This is true. For all we know, Draco is inhabited by the Dark Lord. But no, Harry is gonna do what Harry's gonna. I mean, and one thing in these chapters—well, it's actually not in these chapters, so I'm not gonna say anything. This doesn't usually happen. This is why it's good when I'm a slacker because I only do enough reading for the episode and I can't spoil it. <laughs> Alright, so, um, these chapters, I'm looking through my notes, which, by the way, I took notes for this, like, Jen, not so much. Me, I got notes coming up. Oh, please! Jen always takes notes. Jen doesn't take notes one week, and Ryan, like... (laughs) Jen thinks just because her house exploded means that she gets a week off, and you know what? Not so much, Jen. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. sorry. Alright, so, um, let's, I mean, I think that... In earlier chapters, we talked about how it was um, very much like a checklist. I think the checklist kind of died at, like, chapter 17. I think the last thing that Harry really needed to do was to (laughs) expose Scabbers as a spy. 
And I think that when we thought, when we saw that happen the first time from Harry's perspective, we're like, okay, there's nothing left for him to do, really. Like, game over. Well, I think what it stopped, I'll give it that it stopped being like a literal checklist. I mean, there were still things he wanted to do, but it stopped being a checklist when he found out that Neville got hurt worse than he had before. You know? So it's like he realized he has to be careful. Oops. As we start chapter 17, is from Ginny's perspective. And it was actually interesting because one of the things we're saying is Harry is stunting his friends and he's removing all of their, all of the big events from their lives that, that, that mold them into who they become. So he's, he, he's basically, you know, cutting off his nose to, to spite his face. He's, he's trying so hard to save them. He's, he's quote unquote killing their personalities in the process, which as we talked about last week, I don't feel is true. I feel that Ron has gotten experiences from the, you know, the experience of seeing Harry, you know, in his bed at, at, at number four Privet Drive, you know, completely near death because of what happened and Ron has to care for, like, that stuff I think motivates Ron just as much as, uh, as the events in, in Chamber of Secrets when Ron decides to sacrifice himself. So I th- I really think that, not Chamber of Secrets, Philosopher's Stone, the one, the one with the guy with the turban, that one. So, so as we go into chapter 17, like even little comments that Ginny made, I really felt like did the same thing. Like there's the moment where Ginny is expressing her concern to Molly about Harry and his safety and she's, and she's afraid something's happening to him. And Molly won't believe it's true. Molly won't believe that, you know, and the, she won't believe that Harry's in that situation. And it's not because she thinks Harry's a liar and he's, he's making up what's happening to him. She just doesn't want to believe that any parent could, could not love their children or any guardian could not love their children, that they would, they would do that to him. And that means something to Ginny. It means that Molly, you know, will, will love everyone without conditions. And for Ginny personally, she's the last child. She felt almost like the oops in the family. She felt like she was one kid too much and she, she's the youngest and maybe the, my parents don't want me. So for Ginny herself, that helps her understand her mother more. And maybe that even though Ginny and Molly, I think they're, they're very similar, but they also have many, 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 many differences. And it kind of reinforces for Ginny the fact that even though they have these differences, Molly will love her unconditionally. So I just think that's one little example. It's a very small example, but it's buried in there that shows that even though Harry is, is removing or doing his best to remove painful experiences from his friends' lives, they're still having them. And that's a conversation they but never... But that's life. That's life. But that But it's because of situations that Harry put into play. It's because of changes Harry made, his friends are living and they're growing and they're having molding experiences. So that's just the, the argument I've heard a few times in this podcast is that Harry is, is, is ruining his friends because he's, he's taking away all of their obstacles. He's not. He's giving them new ones. But at the same time, he is taking away the, the characters that he knew the people that they are that were so close, like in, in, he's endangering himself and his relationship with them. Well, could you argue though? To that, an extent. Could you argue though that they're still going to be? They're still basically the same people, and people are built on experience, but they're still the same people. And whether or not they respond to, I agree, it's more dangerous. But they're gonna they're gonna respond in roughly the same way regardless of the original timeline or the new timeline. Like, for example, Ron is who Ron is at that point when he's 11 and or 12. And he's going to respond, in the, you know, as he did in the Chamber of Secrets timeline from the canon. Or he's going to respond as Ron would if he were put in the situation where he gets to Fort Privet Drive and Harry has been badly beaten. Now, is one going to change him? Yes. Is he going to become a little bit different? 
yes, but I think Harry's doing his best to, to try and to to bring out the best think- in his friend. But I think that he, I think Harry's doing the best he can to bring out the best in his friends, and I think that is helping them to remain roughly the same people, even though they're having all of these unexpected events. Well, I think my argument is is that we know that those are the circumstances that brought the characters together in canon. Do you feel at all that with those circumstances taken out of the picture, that the characters are just sort of being forced together no. they have without, new, they have, the, without the building of relation? I mean... They have for, new ones. They have they have new ones. I mean, and in, 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 let's just be clear on this, too. I don't think it's something I don't believe, and we did this last week, and I really don't want to retread the same ground, but Harry, I don't believe, is manipulating them, because I don't believe Harry has a choice in that matter. Like, I, I gave Jenny an example earlier tonight. Like, my dad passed away from cancer, but say, for example, he, he died in a car crash. And you could say, well, I've become a more responsible adult because I've had to deal with a lot more responsibility than someone, you know, who's 23 years old when their father passes away. And I've, you know, it's, it, I've made decisions based upon, you know, the events that have happened and I become a person I am today. And, 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 you know, many positive things have happened in my life as a result of those decisions. That said, if I go back in time, I'm telling them to get out of the damn car. I'll deal with it. You know, I'll, 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 I'll you know, I'll face different responsibilities and different decisions. So my thing is, okay, like we, like there was debate. I was talking to Jen. She disagreed with Harry trying to, to prevent Ginny from going into the chamber of secrets. You know what? Yes. Did she grow from it? Yeah. You know, you, people who are shot, who are mugged, who are burglarized, who, you know, like who, who get cancer, who go through these awful things, they change as a result of it. And that's great. And it makes them into a great person, perhaps, because they're able to tackle adversity. But if you have the opportunity, if you have a chance to go over it again, and you can remove something that can be devastating to a person, I believe that same person has the ability to, to, to be great anyway. Do you, know, do you know what I'm trying to say here? I mean, I think, I think I do. Harry is more ruthless than that. Like, I don't think he's... He's no. He, I mean, if you look at, say, like, I mean, when I, like, see something where it's like Harry is going to try and stop Ginny from going into the chamber, then I try and remember, like, in Philosophers, when they're playing chess, and Harry is suddenly, like, to Hermione, when Ron falls, is like, don't move, we're still playing, you know? I mean, he's got this ruthless bit in him, and I would think that would only get bigger after all that had happened to him in the the first future, so I'm kind of wondering why he wouldn't think that they have to go through tough times to... Jen can tell me if I'm interpreting her wrong, because my initial reaction was to agree with her, but I I think... um, (laughs) Obviously, no matter what Harry does, all of his friends are still going to have moments where... They, they test themselves and they have, you know, crisis moments, et cetera, et cetera, even if those crises moments are different. What I think you're arguing is Ryan's, you're kind of saying that they are who they are by nature of being born, kind of, and it doesn't really matter what the experiences are. It'll change them a little bit, but at the core, they're still Ron and they're still Hermione and that won't change. You are some of your experiences. So yes, they're still going to be having these experiences because those experiences and challenges are different, they'll wind up completely different people. Still fully mature people and still fully three-dimensional people, but they won't be the same people that Harry was friends with in the the first dimension. They're going to be entirely new people. Well, Well, here's the thing. You're right, but I think yours is an extreme example, and I think mine's a bit of a compromise. I mean, yes, if in the beginning of year one, Harry takes his friends and buys them a seven-year cruise around the world on a very slow-moving boat... Yes, they will be different people at the end of the Hogwarts years as they would have been if they went through all this adversity. That's absolutely true. But Harry kind of has to 
you know, accept the fact that if you're going back in time to change things, you're going to have to go back in time and actually change things. Things will not be able to work out exactly the same, or else why the hell are you going back? Number one, there's things he can't change. Number two, because he's going to have to react to people. He's going to know what's happening. He's going to be put in that situation where if I know that guy's about to be shot, do I stop him or not? I mean, he's going to make decisions. So he is in the position where he is trying to prevent the, the, the resurrection of Voldemort. He's trying to prevent everyone from dying. And yes, if you do all those things, do you screw it up more so that Voldemort goes back and somehow, you know, resurrects himself and, tr- and makes a hundred Horcruxes out of Pepsi cans and, and recycles them and you never see them again? I mean, I don't, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be like a Greenpeace <laughs> one. That'd be great. I want to be that thing. But you know what I mean? So it's like, I just thought it, I thought it exceptionally interesting that he's taken away things that I think helped mold the character to the character that we liked, the character that really the couple, like my argument with, with Ryan earlier was why would, I mean, why would Harry take away the diary from Jenny when we know that that is something that made her one, be able to understand what he's going through a little bit better and two, because he finds um, a new way to do it. Well, but why does he even spend time writing in the diary? Why does he it's a just horcrux. Destroy- it's, a, it's a horcrux. But why talk to it? Can he find out things about Voldemort? Can he find... How he, he, he wanted to f- see if the diary would tell him how the horcruxes are made. and But yeah, then right. when... He said he tried several times, but the diary wasn't giving it up. So that, that's when he right. tried to destroy right. it. Because that's the advantage... Oh, Mac, I'm going to get back to you too. I'm sorry. That's the advantage that Harry has now. No one knows what the freaking hell is going on. <laughs> Harry has this advantage of institutional memory. He knows that th- th- this diary is Tom Riddle's Horcrux. He kn- like I love that. Well, I can't say that because that's in the future chapter. But there, Harry has this ability. T- he has he has the he has time on his side right now. He has time to play around and kick tires and try and figure out a new way of, of getting things done without people immediately suspecting him. If they knew that this is, you know, Harry Potter who knows everything that's about to happen, they're going to target him. So he, he can lie low and he can kind of, he can kind of do this very slowly at this point. But let me just say this and and then I'll get to Mac and then we'll move on. If, okay. Harry knows if he gives Ginny this diary, she's going to go through a tr- very traumatic ordeal. And he, and you, you can have a wonderful little Star Trek episode about, you know, it's like, if you could go back in time, would you prevent the Kennedy assassination? That, that's exactly the thing. Okay, say Ginny didn't get the diary, you know, in the original timeline. Say Ginny got shot by someone. Or say Jenny got hit by a Volvo. I have no idea. And Ginny went through this traumatic, you know, near-death experience and, and it affected who she was. You're Harry, and you know she's about to get shot. You're going to pull her back away from the sniper. I mean, it's 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 easy to say, oh, you need to let things happen exactly the way they did before. Well, maybe you don't, because the reason you went back in time is things turned out pretty badly. So that's my final say on that. Mac? Pretty badly. <laughs> well, everybody died and the world ended and Harry killed himself. But other than that, I thought... It could have been worse. It could have no. been worse. <laughs> <laughs> Global warming kills them all. There's a hole in the ozone layer and the remnants of Hogwarts crumble. Well, you kind of took the bulk of my point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept interjecting, I'm getting ready to say what you're going to say, and then you say it, and I have nothing. But I do have one small thing. Okay. And that is, you know, we are talking about by taking away certain events, he's changing the characters and the people that his friends will become. But. The story has already shown us up to this point that fate has a certain way of making things happen despite the changes Harry makes. Yes. 
And the way that faith keeps being a topic in so many different chapters, I don't doubt that will continue in the future. Well, that I think some it, things yeah. will just be inevitable. I think it was Meg last week who joked that fate's actually J.K. Rowling going, No! No! You're not <laughs> changing this! This is very important! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I agree with that. There's, there's yeah, basically. <laughs> and if in it's, I'll put it this way: it's only going to get worse from whatever. It's only going to get worse, and yeah. it's yeah. yeah. I mean, fate sucks. <laughs> you know, if you're trying to change change history, um, you're running up against some 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 buffers there. But yeah, I mean, that's just my thought on that. But what the hell do I know? I think that Draco is from the future, and I think that Pansy Parkinson is a garden gnome. So I just really poor Draco. Portrait. Well, then you have Mike over here who's like, Harry goes back in time to save the world, and while you're there, hug a Slytherin. Have you hugged a Slytherin <laughs> to them? Alright, I'm looking through my notes because I want to get in, I want, I think we should transition to some plot a little bit and just, and just, um, okay. comment on that because I have, um, a lot of stuff on that. Now, um, just look in the chapter 17. The one thing, the, the thing that really hooks me in the story is if you make me angry enough reading it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, like it's like like it's basically one of those I hate you because I can't put your damn fic down now because you've got me so upset I have to see what happens and 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 Viridian does even some things not really so much but he actually has some plot developments in chapters after twenty two where you so want to see how something works and how something is explained and how something works out that you can't really put it down and luckily I had a six hour car ride or I would have been very can I just tell you I almost failed a midterm reading the story, so just that should tell you how much I'm obsessed with it. Sorry about that. Your sacrifice dedication <laughs> to us is inspiring. It's only a master's degree. Those things are cheap. I can go back and get another one later. Um, oh, but in chapter 17, let's comment on, on Molly's reaction. Now, you have Harry. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but he buys Ginny a new wand for self-defense purposes. Um, and he... <laughs> is that an excuse for everything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Guys are a cheap self-defense. You never know when the house might get broken. Drive, but she's twelve. Like she could see her with the steering wheel. But um, twelve. That makes it so much worse. But she, he buys her like secondhand dress robes, which I just self-defense. <laughs> self-defense. You, you may need to look like you have no money someday. These will be helpful for you. It's medicinal. It's medicinal. So, so he bought. So, so she literally like. Now here's the thing. I watched a Leave It to Beaver episode once. All right. Now picture Leave It to Beaver. Now the plot line in Leave It to Beaver was the Beaver was sitting at the at the steering wheel of June Cleaver's car or War Cleaver's car, and he's playing. With the and the car rolls into the street, going 0.3 miles an hour, Point and then three. stops because apparently it's going so slow it cannot move on a flat surface. <laughs> and all of the people take this moment, even though they haven't driven down the street in four years. Everyone drives down the street at that moment, and they're all beeping at the beaver, you know, to get the car. Whatever will he do? So Wally is walking down the street, da 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 da, da and he sees Beaver in the car in the middle of the street. So Wally, without a valid driver's license, runs over to the car and drives <laughs> it back up the hump into the driveway. And of course, he is stopped by a police officer who tickets him for driving without a license. He drove eight feet. So then he has to go to court. He goes there and he gets a really good talking to from the judge. And they fear. And next time you're going to prison. And it's this awful thing. And it's like at the end of the day, you learn not to drive without the driver's license. And Ward kind of pats him on the head. And the next week they forget the lesson. So should he have just left Beaver in the yes, street? The, the goal is to le- turn the other way. Now, if that happened in court now, 
if if now so he and his entire family go in their three piece suit and June's there with the pearls on and the apron and the and that's how it goes. if if you went to court now you'd have you know the, the date rapist in the first row you'd have the guy foaming at the mouth in the second row you'd have the you'd have the the 16 year old kid with his pants around his ankles in the third row and if you're the judge your goal is to make sure no one gets shot that morning that kid drove his car back up the hill good for you give him 50 bucks like that that is how the world works but like it was so funny to watch an old show and see how this is oh this is like now it's like you know you find coke in your kid's room that's the plot of of, of sitcoms today that just fascinated (laughs) me so in this story something awful happens harry and Ginny, when they're at diagon alley they walk around the corner together (laughs) like i just thought that was so funny and it's like they they have family meetings about this i'm like They'd like walked over around like when I was that age, I went to the mall by myself all the time and I wasn't murdered. <laughs> but I just thought that was hilarious that like, you know, Percy gets them in trouble and he has a, he has a firm talking to from Arthur. And I'm not joking like, about it. Like I just thought it was so fun. I'm like, really? That's the biggest problem? Really? They walked to the to the to the second hand clothes store and they walked by all right. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. I'm like, ooh, tension. <laughs> well, I mean, we have to remember that there's like the threat of, you know, Smog? <laughs> like, what is well, the threat? Like, well, it's when it's I, I read that, I was thinking, like, does this story take place in Half-Blood Prince? I mean, is there a war going I, uh, on? I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just channeling my inner <laughs> Molly Weasley here, but if I left my 11-year-old daughter somewhere and told her, say, I was in the mall and said, wait here, and off with someone without telling me, yeah, I'd be all over her. But like, would yeah, you check to see if they wa- But would you check to see if they walked in the store next to the meeting plate? Like, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just. That was my initial reaction. I, I never said it was grounded in logic, but that was. Like, <laughs> but can I mean, they look around? The, the yeah. all mature Harry. You'd think Molly would like. Yeah, but he's still only twelve, boys. really. Yes. Well, yeah, as far as Molly, was- as far as Molly's concerned. But anyway, let me ask you a question. Yes, Ryan. Right. Ryan, yes. Ask your question. Yes, I'm still here. Yes, what's your question? Um, <laughs> Do you think this Harry is closer with this group of Weasleys than the original Harry? Like, is like I mean, obviously yes. he's living in that house. With well, them they adopted more- him. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously in a physical sense they're closer, but in terms of you know, I don't know because sometimes he seems like more. It know. depends on which one you mean. I think he's like, different. He's give, very. Give me a Weasley, and I'll tell you what I think. He's, yeah, because he's, he's, he's acting. He acts Arthur. different with each of them yes. than in canon in different ways. Yeah. I was thinking the parents when I. I think he's talking to the parents like an adult. It talks to other adults. I don't think he's talking to them as a kid talking to adults. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. my impression was in original canon that they're almost emotionally like his parents. Like this, the thing in uh, I think four, Molly three, is, but I don't think Arthur has anything really invested in Harry. Well, Molly, yeah, I'm thinking of the scene in uh, Goblet where he's hugging yeah. her, crying on her, and I guess, and I read this Harry, and even though he's adopted by the Weasleys and he's living there, and I see him it doesn't feel to the same, does it? Exactly, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yep. Um, I think so. it. Cha- well, I I can't say because I've read ahead, but it does feel like <laughs> yeah, it feels like you know that if Molly took Tonks in for the night, because Tonks didn't have a place to stay, and she would, you know, fret over her and hug her and give her, a, you know, plate load of food, it feels almost like the way Molly treats Hermione when she's not calling her a, a whore. But, you know, she, it's, basically, it's basically that. 
Wait, when did she call Hermione a whore? She didn't. Didn't she call her a scarlet woman in Goblet of Scarlet in the fourth book, yeah. Yeah. We're doing the books. No, we're doing the books. I jumped to the books. See, I Ooh, look at that. I'm over in the canon again. I'm I'm bouncing all around the place. But now, let me say this. Now, what do you think of... Now, Tina, you're a mom. Tell me what you think of Molly's parenting here. Now, Harry buys Ginny a pair of secondhand robes. Mm-hmm. And, and and so 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 Molly pulls Ginny aside and says, "You know, Ginny, Harry is from a home where people didn't like him, and he may wish to, you know, use money to buy love. Is isn't that sad, Ginny? And you know, only a selfish, mean-spirited person would take advantage of someone like. Like, are you freaking kidding me? You're like a kid, like." <laughs> Back off, woman! Come on! Buy her a pair of secondhand dress robes. Like, I thought that but was. But at the same time, like she, he's twelve. I mean, he's already having to buy their love. I mean, I'm I do see Molly's point. I mean, I, I agree. Most likely, I think. No, I thought her point was. And and don't forget, you get you get that from Ginny's point of view. Yeah. Well, no. You, so. Yeah, I mean, well, want, I think. You, I think you know it couldn't have, it may not have been said quite that way. Either. Yeah, it comes like I can see you know Ginny, you might want to be careful. I don't want you to take anything from him cuz we he shouldn't have to feel like well like, she's basically <laughs> saying you know Ginny, only an evil person would take that. Now don't you feel bad. Like ah. Like I just, and it seems like that was like Molly did that. She does say that and it's horrific. I was sort of like that was like the dark day when Molly was like you're an evil person. <laughs> Jim's <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Molly, unfortunately, was going through the change that day. <laughs> she got a little heated. A little oh, heated. Then she calmed right oh. down. Everything was fine. But I'm like, that seems a little harsh. Even that was a little harsh. It seems a little yeah. harsh. But I, and I and I loved. Well, I know I loved the moment. And obviously, this is Ginny's perspective. But I loved Harry's response. I loved the whole thing with the wand and. The way he explains it's for self-defense purposes. Like, don't you get, like, the fact that, like, Harry can rationalize anything as self-defense purposes? <laughs> like, he takes Because this whole... is, like, commando, Harry. I mean, he thinks everything is about war. Oh, I thought you meant he had well, no underwear on. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on the house or self-defense. World ended. He takes, he takes the Weasleys out to dinner at a very nice restaurant, and, and Arthur <laughs> reaches to pay. No, Mr. Weasley, you have to keep your strength up to fight off the Death Eaters. I'll pay for this. It's for self-defense purposes. <laughs> Look, it's just like... He, Harry would be a really good accountant. He can make anything a taxable to... It's okay, it's tax deduction. Oh, I don't want to talk about taxes. <laughs> don't talk to Melinda about taxes. Melinda's like... Yeah. I know, she poor dear. Melinda's well, like reading harmony stuff over there. She's not in the right frame of mind today. But um, okay. Yes. But that was. I'm, ha- I'm getting six hundred dollars back. Apparently, I just found this out. Mike somehow Shut missed up. the fact that we're I in a recession. Anything back? No, where anyone who makes over was like three thousand dollars a year is getting money back. It's, uh, no, oh, it's wait, their- well, unless you know, that's the rebate, not your refund. No, it's the rebate. Yeah, yeah like they getting- get what six to eight hundred back. You're getting you're getting twelve hundred back because you're married. What do I get? But <laughs> yeah, you can use it to buy Thank a new mailbox. Thank God, because that's what we owe. Really? <laughs> yeah, you're getting twelve hundred. You're not getting it till like June. May though, so you still have to pay your taxes. We'll be right back oh. with you, everybody. We're just uh, we're discussing taxes. Wait, really. what do I get, Ryan? You you get six hundred dollars probably. How come I don't get twelve hundred? Because you're, because you're yeah. only one person. Are you you're married? Not married. To, are you oh. married to me? <laughs> and hurry up and get married. <laughs> See, like I'll get eighteen hundred. <laughs> Okay, eighteen hundred. How do you get eighteen hundred? Because six hundred. 
Six hundred for me and my husband, and three hundred each for my children. Wow! All right, when we have our summit, it's on Tina. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then it's going to be in the end of May (laughs) after my rebate comes. Perfect weekly (laughs) summit on Tina. But I just want to say one thing too. Okay, so now we have you know Molly unfortunately is going through the change. Harry unfortunately is beginning his career in the financial services area. Can I just say one thing happens now? We've been talking about um, about Verdian's writing style here. One thing that I noticed in these chapters is I kept cracking up laughing. I think that the that the humor he injected into the story, especially like the, like the breaks between scenes, it just I re- I really enjoyed it. Um, one thing in particular, um, there's a line that Harry has. I want to read it here. Um, technically, the death. He's talking about the um, the lack of qualified defense against the dark arts teachers. Technically, the Death Eater masquerading as Mad-Eye Moody had done a decent job of preparing his students, but that whole resurrecting Voldemort and getting Cedric killed sort of thing ruined any chance Harry had of giving Barty Crouch Jr. a good recommendation. Like, I just <laughs> love... He's like, well, that guy... Oh, wait, that guy was a Death Eater. No, no, not him, not him. It's, there's just moments... Or, like, the the scene with um with Gilderoy Lockhart in the class with the Pixies, and Harry gets so pissed, he punches the Pixie, and it flies across the room and whacks him in the head and gives him a black eye. I really like the writing style near the ends of scenes like there's even another one i think it's i can't remember if it's in these chapters if it's in the next one i'm not spoiling it where something someone spits out food or someone spits out water or something in the great hall and it just ends with her with 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 um luna slowly reaching over and handing hermione a napkin like someone just spit water out in her face like it's just like the very slow calm or um i'll even throw another one out when harry is firing his reductos at the water and he gets a little angry and, like, blows up the lake. <laughs> okay, no one laughed at that. It was a wonderful moment. Wait, what? Do you remember when Harry... I didn't think that was humor. No, it's when Harry's standing there, and someone mentions we should all go and shower. And then you can just picture, he shoots it at the lake, and there's a huge burst of water, and they're all standing there, and all of a sudden, they just get completely drenched, and they're all standing there shell-shocked, and someone's like, yeah, we don't need the shower anymore. Like, it just, it, like, it just, it made me crack up laughing, because it just seemed... It seemed like slapstick. And I think sometimes you need that, especially if you're in a story about death and locusts. I just thought it was morbid. You thought it was morbid? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jen, you're just in a bad mood. You ever think of that? I'm not, not in a bad mood. I'm in a good mood. Did your I mailbox end up in your car and break your antenna off? I freaking hate the wind. <laughs> Jen was trapped in her Buddha room, too. She couldn't get out. It was awful. <laughs> I guess you have to understand that I'm a Christian to understand the humor of having a Buddha room. I guess. It was a Buddha room. It's a Buddha room. And the people who lived there before used, it's a sunroom, basically. It's off, it's a, it's another room adjoining to one of the living rooms. So they, they had their big Buddha set up there with like, they actually had like an in, it was like an in shelf in the wall with like lights at the top, like a whole lighting system. Well, you do Buddhas. We don't have, well, they took Buddha with them. They just left the Buddha hole. So we haven't decided what we're, I think we're just going to drywall it up. Not sure what we're going to do. But um, anyway, it, it's stuck. The name's stuck. There. So now we have a Buddha room. You could put a shrine in there. Of put, what? I mean, we're not even I suggest doing me, but your, your husband will kill you. Can you put a shine of, um, how about Draco and leather? Now that is a possibility. Oh, my God. You've had to say it right about that one. I do have to say it. 
So no one else thought it was humorous when a mount when a when a wall of water falls on the kids and they're just standing. I did. There. I know, but Mike, you didn't get you didn't get what one through nine meant in in Peon Cast. No, he got one through nine. Oh, he just had trouble with ten. For those of you who yeah, don't I'm know what I'm talking ten. about, I can't believe I missed that. I was doing my taxes. Oh my god, it was hilarious. <laughs> did you get money back though? No, oh. I don't make enough. Do you have to pay? I don't. Yeah, I have to pay. I mean, I don't even make. I don't make money because I don't have a job. It's like money from like investments and stuff. Okay, so you don't work. You're 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 a student. You're an investor. So. Yes. Okay. When you do work, what what do you, do you like? Have a job in your home, or do you? Um, this moment of silence. Are you in the like? Do you have like a summer job when you're home, or do you just do? No, oh, no, 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 no. I thought you meant. I thought you were asking me like in the future when I get a job, did I plan to work out of my home? <laughs> <laughs> I was a, like, I haven't. As a Japanese translator, just like. Yeah. But, <laughs> come, come to my house and I'll interpret for you. <laughs> I was like, why is everything I'm saying being met with a wall of silence tonight? No, like, what? I'm like, I'm just curious. What do you do for work when you work? I don't work. You don't work. You you invest. Really, my my father invests. Import, okay. export. Okay, so I watch that. Info. What is that noise? I import it? diapers and I it sounded export. like water. <laughs> I import, import water. Mac, Mac, did you just drive your car into a lake? <laughs> No. Alright, just, well, I'm just asking. Don't get mad at me. Oops. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was like. Angry. It, it, I am snarky tonight. I yelled I at Mike. I was kidding with that. I yelled at Mike earlier. I'm, I'm joking on the snark. Jesus. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, I was explaining to Jen that she had to be the snarky one tonight. I'm like, why? I'm like, she's not here. So. I was like, oh. And he's like, you're number three. <laughs> I was like, oh. Oh, good God. I'll be, I'll be snarky. There you go. Okay. Well, you usually I can are. be snarky. Okay, can we just point out how much I love the fact that Gilderoy Lockhart absolutely gets his ass handed to him? <laughs> that makes me happy. Because here's the thing. When I was a parent, when I was a parent, I'm not a parent. That was a typo. You were? Now you're not? Backing away. I'm no longer a parent. Wait a minute. What? When I was a kid, it's amazing I didn't get my parents arrested for child abuse. Because I would do this thing where, like, I would be wandering around, like, a, like, a, like in a retail store, and my father would walk over and put his hand on my shoulder to, like, guide me back, and I would, like, fall to the ground and be like, stop hitting me! You always hit me! And he'd be standing <laughs> surrounded by, like, mall security. <laughs> like, um, or, like, or my other favorite was, you're not my daddy. That one went over exceptionally oh my God, well. Right. But, um, what? Are you serious? I was three. What the hell do I? I was trying to beat the system. I would have busted your butt. <laughs> that wouldn't help. If I'm like, you're not my daddy, and he starts beating me in the middle of the But, um, so I, I, was oh not, I was not the easiest three-year-old to apparently raise. But I love the part where Harry, what is it? It's when they first meet Gilderoy Lockhart in Flourish and Bots, and, like, Gilderoy goes over to do something, and Harry, like, falls to the ground. Like, ah! Like he, like he was a, ta- and all the people just take pictures of Gildroy standing over a wounded boy who lived. I just thought it was great the way Harry handles them. I just thought it was absolutely awesome. I just, and he, he's written so well throughout these chapters. Like when he has to go to McGonagall and say, "I'm very sorry for being late, Professor Gildroy Lockhart had to talk to me about my career." Like just, like I, don't, I just, I think his character, like. Like, Rydian obviously hates Gilderoy Lockhart, as should everybody, but I just love the way they make him sweat out the year, and they ask him questions, and they're asking him why his stories conflict, and, and it just, I, I just, I, I really, yeah. I really like the character of Gilderoy. I thought that was done really well. 
I like that Harry shows his dislike of, like, Harry's, like, telling him he's a fraud, and everybody's like, yeah, he is a fraud. And, like, everybody, and, like, I love the Ron and Hermione scene after the the law court. Where she's like, she what did she say exactly? She said something like, yeah, I guess I was wrong. And he like immediate is he immediately says, "Don't worry, my mom was my mom thought he was great too. I mean, it's not your fault." And like she gives him a smile. And Harry's looking like, "What the hell did I do to the two of you?" <laughs> I was like, "Yay!" Well, can I tell you something? Here's the thing: we all read the canon. We're all obviously Harry Potter fans. We can all admit that Harry Potter is like the stupidest person ever, right? He is yep. next to Clark Kent and Smallville. Absolutely, okay. he's like the stupidest mm-hmm. person ever. Now you have to say, "I love." You have to love Harry in the story. Why is he the stupidest person ever? He's just... Did you read the books? (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was kind of smart. He's just not the most observant person in the world. (laughs) He has his blind spots, but I mean, there's some things he's pretty... He figured out, you know, that Draco was Death Eater before anyone else and the whole plot thing. You know, I mean, he... That's like the one time in his life... Hold on! Draco shot him... And stepped in his face and broke his nose. Harry had helpful breadcrumbs along the way. Not that, he, not that he was a Death Eater. Well, I mean, the whole Draco being evil Slytherin, I'm sure didn't help. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't have to be that observant. To... No one else believed that Ron and Hermione thought he was making it up. No, they they, they hated him. They thought... I thought Hermione thought he was pretty evil. Well, no, the thing with... with not that he was ha- evil, but that he was a Death Eater no, plotting thi- something. The thing with Half-Blood Prince is, okay, in year one, Harry comes up with this brilliant idea. Snape is evil, and it turns out to be Quirrell. Year two, I got this great idea. I think the Draco is the heir of Slytherin. Not so much. Third year, got a great idea. I need to kill Sirius Black. So as you notice, as the years go by, Harry gets stupider and stupider and stupid. Like, he's not, I mean, yeah, year five, I need to rush to the ministry because that will save Sirius's life. But he meant well. Year six, Draco is a Death Eater. By this point, everyone's going to be like, okay, Harry, that's nice. And as it and turns that's out, what, that's it, why it was perfectly plotted. Exactly, because in year six, everything that Harry thought was absolutely right. But unfortunately, he screwed up for the previous five years, so no one wanted to listen to him. But here's the and thing. I get that. The other half of it is, you know, Sorcerer's Stone, you know, he figures out the whole mystery. You know, uh, year two, he's smart enough to think about you know, stabbing the the book with the fang and when he can't kill... Like, he's not stupid. He has his blind spots, but he's... Well, yeah, he's, he, he, he's not actually mentally handicapped. I mean, we should clarify that. He he is not actually... He doesn't actually need <laughs> to... <laughs> no, he doesn't need to live in, like, a group home of government assistance, but Harry is not the sharpest crayon in the box, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to be the sharpest crayon in the box. But here's the thing. Reading fanfic, we read the same events over and over and over from different perspectives. So you really get it drilled into you that Ron is stubborn and Hermione, you know, has her own blind spots and Draco is mean and Luna is weird and Harry is... I mean, you get the same stereotypes reinforced. It is so refreshing after Draco makes the comment in in front of Neville about... Oh, did I screw that up earlier? Was Neville... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm compl- I screwed up the thing earlier. Neville makes the um, Draco makes the comment to Neville about um, losing your mind, meaning he's making the comment about Neville's parents, and that's when Neville jumps over the table and beats the ever living snot out of Draco. I thought he had ma- meant 
something about uh, Luna's mother, but that was... I'm thinking about Luna at the very beginning when she's getting teased on teased on the train. I apologize. Taking that back. Anyway, when when Percy gives Neville a really hard time for breaking the rules, I love the fact that Harry... This is Harry, who never says the right thing in the right circumstance, pulls Percy aside and says, Excuse me, are you an idiot? And you're <laughs> like, you, you sh- you're like, oh my god, Harry just said the thing I was hoping someone in the scene would say. It, it's so refreshing to have Harry be, like, like looking up a Drake, li- like, looking up a Gilderoy Lockhart. You're like an absolute freaking moron, aren't you? It is so refreshing to see a Harry who, based on experience, is actually perceptive. And I think our biggest complaint is Harry is overly perceptive, which makes sense given the plot. But I just think it's so refreshing to actually see a Harry who doesn't respond to situations very obtusely. Now here's my question. Why didn't anyone say that to Harry in canon? Why are you such an idiot? Where, no, where, yeah, where's the one person to shake him and go, you're a moron. Ginny you Weasley. not get what's really going on? Ginny Weasley. Well, you say that? Yeah, and you see, that's why I always like them. Uh, she, says it, she says it in Order of the Phoenix when Harry's preparing to take off because he's obviously possessed by Voldemort and wants to spare the Weasleys. Uh, She's like, excuse me, are you a moron? I'm sitting right here and I was possessed by Voldemort. Do you have any questions? <laughs> and he's like, hmm. But then he couldn't like, grasp I did like yeah. that part. Yeah. So do you people wonder why I ship them so hard? Don't worry, I'm <laughs> with you. Anthony and Ron. Uh, oh, God, don't even go there, Mike. What about Bloodborne? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Jen's going after Horace. Everyone else, back away. Yay! No, with me, Jen. I can't. I'm sorry, I really think he's just gross. <laughs> oh god. kill you. Okay, not young Horace, because he may have been a sexy uh, thing. But old Horace is slug-like. And to me, <laughs> that's not... You're fine, whatever. I can do it. <laughs> 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 I, I, I made a halfway inroad. Hey, I admitted he could be cute in his youth. <laughs> Thank you. Less Thank slug you. I don't know. The, yes? the first time I ever read Slughorn, I got this mental image of Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like he was one of the people that have to be craned out of their houses. To- <laughs> He's the guy from Springer. <laughs> I just... Yeah, just seeing red right now. I need to make a. Re- I need to make a life change. You people are insane. <laughs> We're really offending BS. This is somewhat amusing. It's, so, it's like gripping the arms of her chair, like this death grip with her knuckles going white. All right, PS. I might. PS. What? Defend Horace. Go. He's awesome. <laughs> Why is that? He just is. You put me on the spot, I can't do it. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I asked you to I analyze Harry look. Potter on this podcast of all places, my I bad. did it on that Peon cast episode. Nobody, nobody, nobody who was here was there. Wait for, I don't think it's attached to this episode. It's probably next week. Next week. This one is the one where Tina explains to Mike about the birds and the bees, yeah. so it's okay. next week? Okay. okay. It's next week. Next week. If it, if it doesn't get cut out, because it's not exactly on topic for the fic. <laughs> I love that our peons but, are coming into the same problems that we're having. And I, I, I get Gen two and Keza on my side. Defense really? Of All three of us against Richard. Oh, is, I can't wait. Is, is he gay? Huh? Is sl- he gay? <laughs> is Richard gay? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Richard. Yes, he is. Yeah, Richard is very straight. <laughs> no. I'm, 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 I
if that was if that was a memory or did I just think of that that you wrote? <laughs> I just said the <laughs> message to Richard wrote, saying we inadvertently just turned you into a homosexual. Very sorry. <laughs> I mean, Jen, there's no memory of like him having sex with a man. I mean, like Kara, maybe given like on the way to get him talking to Tom. I mean, like wrong memory. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I have to tell you about the numbers. What numbers? I told numbers? you. For the, the fifth numbers. challenge. The fifth, the fifth challenge. Oh, yeah. I thought oh, I would yes. pull numbers for myself. And the numbers were Horace and Albus. So you have to write a fic about Horace and Albus. That is just... So I, I basically, I have to write my favorite ship. That's your favorite I, ship, Horace and Dumbledore? You are so evil. I got... Millicent and uh, Tonks. <laughs> I mean, I it, it, it never had to be that. romance. I don't know why people think that, but it never had to be romance. I just thought it was funny that, like, I just did it for the hell of it to see, like, what would I would get if I were doing it. And I was like, oh, I'll just pull numbers for myself. Millicent and Tonks? Yeah. It doesn't I've have got a to be romance. I have... I have great I've got a great story. I've got a great story. You'll just all have to wait to read it, because you guys should see me, right? If I, I want do... you to elaborate more on the Mac Luna fake, if I recall, from way back when. Ooh, Luna. Oh, Richard what wants to know how that happened. How did uh, that happen? Tell him, tell him Jen can't fault. tell the difference between him no, and Morris. No, because he'll get... <laughs> no, I'll yeah. talk to him later. Say, Jen, we'll talk to you later. Wink, wink. Hey, Jen, what do you know? Me and Neville? Oh, you and Neville. Oh, I thought we were still on me and Luna. Jen, are you dead? Neville? What? I can't hear. I didn't hear what he said. Wait, you like Neville, Jen? No. Ew. 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 No. I just called him the nerdy, like, scrawny boy. No. Sorry, Jules. All right. Yeah. Sorry, poor Jules. Can I just point out the the one... Uh, do you see me struggling to pull us on topic here? I've already apologized to everyone. I don't know what else I can do here. <laughs> Ryan, were you guys actually on topic when I left? No, I'll message from Richard. If you're going to make me gay, at least set me up with someone attractive. Tell him Horace. P.S. said Horace was attractive. Wait, <laughs> <Jenny>. <laughs> Horace or young Horace? Young, young. We can, leave that, we can just leave that blank. Can I just say one thing? I, well, I'm not going to say one thing. I'm going to say four things. Of course. <laughs> because really, okay. without me, you know, like, I'm like Louis Black here. You'd be nothing without me. All right. We'd the, be, like, running stores. <laughs> exactly. But can I just say this? Love with <laughs> One thing I really enjoy throughout these chapters is Luna dealing with Hermione and vice versa. They're snarky. I like them together. Well, they're, they're great characters. They're funny. Because let me just say this, and I'll even say this for canon, too. I think Luna is probably one of the smartest characters in the story, canon yes. or otherwise. I really yes. like not Luna. Book, not book smart like Hermione, but... Observant, intuitive, smart. smart. Yes, intuitive, smart. smart. Yes, yes. I lo- smart. Yeah, like for example, the moment where I forget the she's name. what Harry isn't. Exactly, like they're, they. Why they're perfect for each other? Because Harry's an idiot. Yeah, it's like they're talking okay. at one point about the creatures, whatever the creatures are that eat, they steal height, and they and because you know poor Professor Flitwick was surrounded by these creatures, they took all of his height, so he'll never grow again. And Hermione's looking at her with her with her mouth gaped open, saying, "They don't exist. That's preposterous." And Luna just looks over at her and says, "Our Muggles' neighbors say the same thing about magic. Why do you people think that?" And Hermione's like. 
And it's just this great moment where it's like, why do you not believe in things that you can't see or in books? And it just, it perfectly showed, even though Luna is being presumably the ridiculous one, I just love the moment where it's put back at Hermione, explaining why you're right, but the muggles are wrong. And it's just, I mean, muggles would say magic is preposterous and you're a witch. I mean, and there's repeated moments like that throughout these chapters that I just think is, like, or, like, the, the scene, I think, is at Christmas time when they go down to visit Hagrid. Or it might be when they meet Hagrid for the first time. And Luna looks up and says, you're really nice, you know, like, even though you're a half giant. And they're all looking at her and she's like, well, he is a half giant. And, and like, well, you know, we, we don't think of him as a half giant. But she doesn't mean any disrespect by it. She's, she says whatever is on her mind. And. Oh, wait a minute. I have a question. Yeah. Does everyone know he's a half giant? Well, apparently. Because they didn't. Harry should technically be the only one who knows. Yeah. Luna just got, well, I, he's 19 feet tall, so you can probably figure it out, but. Remember Ron was shocked in canon when he found yeah. out he was. Yeah. Well, I think we we've just determined though we're There's not dealing with rocket probably scientists. Probably like the elephant in the living room. You know, no, everyone knows it's there, but no one's going to mention it. And then, yeah, and then exactly, then Luna Ron walks says, right. Yeah. Doesn't Ron say that he thought Beatus thought Hagrid? What was that? I can't remember the line, but like, big he thought, he thought that Hagrid had been like hit by like a, a tall charm. Like Ron acted. Like the thing that got me was that Ron acted as if this this was commonplace. Oh, in that moment, um. I think I'm gonna go with Tina on this one. I think it's the I, I almost just said the walrus in the room. I think it's the elephant in the room. <laughs> no, I just got a message from Richard saying you're setting me up with a fat walrus guy. No thanks. I have better taste in men. And then he said oh. just then he said just kidding because he fears the PS. <laughs> and rightly so. And Smart right. man. Jen, are you still dying by any chance? I am. I'm so sorry. Poor <laughs> 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 Jen. I want to ask Jen a question too. Go ahead. She just won't answer. (laughs) Personally, my favorite chapter in the whole story so far Mm -hmm. was the Dumbledore one, where we saw Dumbledore's point of view. And I was just curious what all of you, particularly Jen, of course, thought whether Harry should have told Dumbledore or should tell Dumbledore, or at what point Harry should tell Dumbledore the truth. (laughs) I can't answer that either. Honestly, besides the fact that I pretty much hate Dumbledore, I think that even Harry has, has... has recognized, I think, that, that Dumbledore is actually trying. I think now that he's seeing it, he's already been through it once, and he's seeing it a bit better from Dumbledore's side. I personally think that, it, that it'll benefit everyone if Harry will tell Dumbledore what's going on. I don't know about that, though, because if you think Hi. about and I'm not going to... Well, I've read ahead, so I'm being careful on what I'm oh. saying here. But no, but one thing in this true from 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 the first chapter you're looking at the dumbledore who even at the end even in year 30 he's he's like harry i don't know about this i don't think this is a good idea but this is a dumbledore who's been defeated who's learned from his mistakes who's seen the impact of making poor decisions when you're dealing with a dumbledore in year three or year 13 who you know hasn't made those mistakes voldemort is gone for now he's very much in control He's, his first reaction is, I'm not listening to him. I can nope. handle this. I know what's, what's the, best. What's, what's, what's the chapter that starts out in Albus's point of view? Uh, it, it is... Um, he thinks that Harry reminds him of Tom. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that a yeah. lot. I that, think that, and I think if Harry can figure out that Albus thinks that, he's not going to tell Albus anything. Well, that's the thing, though. I think Harry will figure out that Albus thinks that, but the difference is, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because... If you think that Dumbledore is, you know, his portrait even admitted, my 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 former self may not be an ally. My former self 
may make huge mistakes with this. So, you know, don't tell him. But if you think that as a result of keeping him in the dark, he's going to come to the impression that you are becoming the next Tom Riddle, that could screw you even more. So do you want Dumbledore distant and out of the way, or do you want him as a potential enemy? So I think that's where, you know, there's no right decision to that because you don't know how he's going to react. It's when you bring someone into your inner circle, they could screw up everything. And as of now, Harry feels like he has some degree of control over the situation. But in fairness, like, what, like, well, I can't say that either. Harry is doing this all by himself, and Harry has no backup. And would it be easier for him if he could confide in people, if he could have someone to lean on, have someone to, to help him with this? Yes, but if you let people in, what if they ruin it for you? So I think that's... Well, he's a re- planning to, right? Isn't he planning as soon as they learn to shield their minds yeah. to let them Exactly, but he trusts the Weasleys. He doesn't trust Dumbledore. Because Dumbledore's future portrait, even as good as it says, my former self can't be trusted with this, because you don't know what he'll do. He may think, I am Dumbledore, I can control this, and he may manipulate Harry, he may decide, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move Harry out of the picture, he may decide Harry is too dangerous with this information and prevent him from making a... How do you know old Dumbledore, you know... And when old, I mean Dumbledore in Harry's third year, is it going to come out and say, you know what, we can't risk making any changes to the timeline at all. Everything has to happen exactly as it did before. Too late. <laughs> yeah, or we're going to do the best we can now. Or I'm going to make one small change, then we're going to leave it be. But then, see, the thing is that Albus in the story doesn't know what Harry's changing, so Harry could very well still change things. You know what I mean? Or he could try and smash Harry's, you know, shields to, to, to view his memory. I mean, you don't know. But the thing is, it's another variable. And, and like Jen said, with Harry and Dumbledore, there's trust there, but there's not complete trust. And if you even go through these chapters, this Harry and this Dumbledore have a very, very, very different relationship. It's extremely yeah, and I think- strange. Do you think Dumbledore's being unreasonable in his interpretations of Harry, or is that like a reasonable interpretation for him to come to based on what he sees of Harry? Based on what he sees of Harry, yeah. Based on what he sees of Harry, I think he's... I think so, too. Yeah. I was thinking of... I was thinking of our first podcast. I think it was our first one, where we were all going like, why does no one pick up that Harry's not normal? And this, to my mind, was kind of... The author's answer to that question of... Well, yeah, he is, but this is how he's interpreting it. I think it's interesting that just by the very nature of Harry going back, before anything even happens, his relationship with Dumbledore is immediately different. Like, you get that, like, immediately, that it's not where Dumbledore's the kindly grandfatherly figure who's, you know, takes Harry under his wing, that it's... It starts off completely different as soon as Harry goes back. Harry was incredibly forgiving the first time around. He's not so this time. And the first time around, Dumbledore could do awful things to him, not purposefully, but he could lay incredible burdens on Harry. And Harry's main frustration is, why wouldn't you let me be part of the decision-making process so I could do these things anyway? Harry's response was never, I don't want this. This isn't, you know, this isn't my job to do this. Harry just wanted to be more of a player. He wanted to have more control over his own life, over the life of his friends. He 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 resented feeling Dumbledore were maneuvering him around. But Harry was always a very giving person, a very forgiving person. This is the Harry who comes back and says to Percy, "What the hell you think you're doing?" This is the Harry who will walk up to to 
you know, to Gildroy Lockhart and tell him off to his face. So yeah, this Harry is looking up at Dumbledore saying, I want to go to the Bow Bathens. Why, why the hell do I, do you think I would ever trust you after you put me back with the Dursleys? This is a Harry who, who very much is calling Dumbledore on his mistakes in ways that Canon Harry only really did really at the only at the end of Order of the Phoenix and that was when he was very much not himself because he was very upset so yeah this is this is a different Harry this is if he had to do it all over again I don't think he could stand for, for, for Dumbledore the way he was treating him before and I think some of it is manipulation some of it is he's playing Dumbledore and that's the <laughs> difference I think like when Jen and some of the others were saying that Harry manipulates Ron, Hermione, Ginny and the Weasley he doesn't he loves them they're his friends Dumbledore <laughs> yes. Not so much. Dumbledore. Yeah. D- he, w- he, he, he will. He's be- manipulating Dumbledore. He is absolutely <laughs> manipulating Dumbledore, and that's okay. But I don't think he, he, he is not manipulating the others. I think he's pretty much like coming to depend. Did anybody notice that he's coming to kind of depend on Minerva more because he can't depend on Albus? Well, McGonagall is a more. Um, well, he's already been around with, with Albus. He knows what the outcome will be with him. Yes. Because I'm, I'm just like, she's definitely in the story more than in canon, I think. Yeah, well, she's incredibly... In different ways. She's incredibly loyal to Gryffindors, and she's loyal to what's right. And Dumbledore is very much a politician where you don't always do the right thing, and you don't always reward good behavior. And, and McGonagall is a very... She, like, even in canon, you saw her, when her own house was wrong, she took 150 points from them. She's a very fair person. She doesn't care about the crap, she doesn't care about the politics, she doesn't care about 20 steps down the road, how will this impact? No, this is the right thing to do and we're going to do it. And I think that is very much Harry's way of dealing with the world, so I think he just naturally is more of a McGonagall person. He just doesn't have those qualities that Dumbledore has. It's my thought. Except for Slytherin's occur. Because they are evil. Well, no, I think you see Dumbledore be very um, political with Slytherins as well. I'm not sure. I, I mean, as referring he's more to very Harry political Potter. with everybody. Yeah, I think he is. He there's always ulterior motives. There's always, you know, he's he, like the sherbet lemon thing. He's always <laughs> he's always trying to put one face forward, but it's not usually his. No, because he's a liar. <sighs> he's not an evil person. Some of my best friends are politicians. No, they're really not. They wouldn't be my best friends if they were politicians. <laughs> well, if I have a degree in political science, I'm down on the politicians today. Yeah, shouldn't you be like the pro-Dumbledore? Like, he's the real hero of the story. He's really not, though. He's not. <laughs> Uh, but that was my thought on that. So I'm just looking through my notes here to see if there's anything else that we want to comment on tonight. Like, I thought that Harry manipulating Rita Skeeter was great. Can we talk about Harry um, meeting Remus? And sure. I really actually liked this way better. To me, and I just wanted to say, I, I think I liked it so much better that they met at the borough and they met through a letter. And although, and, you know, they met because Sirius was innocent and all that. I liked... This it didn't seem like Remus is such a. That's not totally true either because he still is like a sad character. But yeah. I liked that it seemed like they were going to all make an effort to be a lot closer because I know that in canon Remus was always like my until like the seventh book and even in the seventh book some Remus was such a letdown character, um, in that Harry could never depend on him and he wasn't ever there as like. And, and parental figure, I want to use that that term loosely, um, 
because he's got the Weasleys now. He doesn't need another parent. But I like that Remus, I don't know. I liked their, their meeting, their relationship is already, it seems stronger than it was even after the third book in, in canon. Yeah, I mean, I know. Remus is someone who treats everyone, whether they be a student, whether they be, you know, Albus Dumbledore, he treats everyone with the same level of respect, including himself. He doesn't see himself better than anyone else. And I think the issue that you have sometimes with the character of Remus is that whereas McGonagall or Dumbledore or, or the Weasleys or, or adults have this, you know, presence and they have, you know, degree of self-esteem and they have this degree of, 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 you know, responsibility, parental responsibility, sometimes where, where, where these people just exude some type of presence. Remus doesn't have that. Remus is a very meek, very mild person who, if you kind of, if there's a strong gust of wind, he'll blow away. And I think that you see the characters much more receptive to him here. And he feels as though there's a, there, there's a belonging there. Remus is a person who is very meek, who will blow over if there's a strong gust of wind. And I think that when there is tension in the original timeline, Remus kind of backs off and he doesn't, he doesn't make the very difficult decisions. Whereas I see, I think you see a much more receptive, much more cohesive, stable group here. So Remus is a better fit for it because Harry knows how to plan it better. Well, yeah, they don't need him as much, you know, and I think people need him. This group doesn't know, aside from Harry, that he's a werewolf yet. So his secret's still safe. He can still act normal, completely normal. But once the secret gets out, and I'm sure it's going to, I bet we will see that dynamic start to shift again. Let me say one thing here, though. Because Not maybe, as much. Because maybe I'll forget this. Why do I keep saying, can I only yes, say one back. thing here? I know, you do. <laughs> can I just say one thing 45 minutes later, he's still talking? No. <laughs> Does Harry ever confirm to Remus that he knows that Remus is a werewolf? In effect, I don't think so. He shouldn't know. I mean, if he did, it would completely throw up a red flag that Harry... No, I think there's a point where Harry makes reference to it, and Remus goes, oh yeah. I don't think that I ever remember okay. reading it. Let's That's why I'm like, what? The actors and find the word werewolf. He doesn't say werewolf, but he refers to Remus' oh. like condition or something. I don't know. I thought I, I thought I had oh. read that in there somewhere. I, I like, thought he was talking about his financial situation. No, he says something like to his face. He says something like, "Oh, you know, you're." I don't know. I thought there was a reference in there to like the full moon or something, and Harry made a very direct comment to it, and Remus is like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I'm like, um, what? I Maybe. don't remember that. Maybe it wasn't. I'm like, look, I'm scrolling through. Maybe it's in the future. I think it is. No, <laughs> no, I think it's. Um, I think it's actually um, later on in the third year one. There was a brief reference. I thought. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know what y'all were saying <laughs> while I was, but um, talking about horse. We were talking about how we hate horse. <laughs> I didn't think that. She's kidding. Is- Hold on, she's she kidding. Just ignore it. Kiss I and make That's why I'm ignoring. That's why I'm ignoring it. I love you. I'm so sorry. It's just so easy. And it's just not, it's not me. Finally. Sorry. I didn't think that Remus and Harry had all that of a close relationship in canon. I thought that after Sirius died, Remus was like trying to be the substitute godfather and it didn't work all that well. So I kind of like that in this, actually, Remus is the first one of the two that he meets. So. Yeah. He's in the books too, though. Oh, yeah, that's right. Stupid. Yeah. But it's different. <laughs> Other than that, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's well. I mean, you get you get what I mean. I mean, like he's like becoming close to Remus on like a different level than when he was the teacher. I think. So I think they they're gonna have a better relationship, and that's probably intentional on Harry's part. I mean, he's trying to have a better relationship with everybody except Draco. Because <laughs> you <Yes>. don't hug <laughs> Slytherins. All the Slytherins. When you go back in time, you don't hug Slytherins. That's very important. Yep. Harry hasn't lost. Like you're talking about what he gained. Excuse me, and he gained, you know, more subtlety and experience and manipulation, whatever you want to call it. But he still seems to see the world in black and white, and he still doesn't seem to see shades of gray too well, in my opinion. Well, he's had a very difficult life. Well, but that's I, not I, I kind of, Sometimes, I mean, I sometimes think... when you go through wars, it actually makes you see gray easier. Things, be, I mean, that's a common reaction, I think, is you have a difficult life, and then you lose the distinction between black and white because of that. Well, in certain situations, I mean, in cert- like Man. sometimes like if you go off to war and you're forced to kill an enemy soldier, you see that soldier as a human being with a wife and a family, and you, and you feel for them, but you're not supposed to feel for them because they're the enemy and blah, blah, blah. In, 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 um, in this story, Harry is sort of like Rambo. And he goes to Hogwarts and kills 30 people, including, like, one guy who's windpipe. He, he punches the guy in the throat and he, like, suffocates on his own whatever. And it's like, okay, Harry's a, Harry has some anger management issues that he needs to deal with. I mean, I see this Harry as being a very black and white character. I don't see him having much gray just because of what happened. It wasn't a very... Because he knows how it turned out good. when... Yeah. Yeah. Is there a, is there a gray area... When the world ends, I mean... Yeah, it's not like Snape. It Snape was a bad guy, but he was good, and he was kind of brave, and he was kind of nod, and you can make an argument. I mean, everybody dies, and the school burns down, and the stock market crashed, and the Americans had to... Con- like, it, like there's no, like, silver lining. To- I'll the silver lining, but what, what I'm getting at is that, like, I'm sure even in his war, everyone's dead, but I'm sure there are still people who were neither evil or good who weren't and people who weren't on Harry's side and who also weren't on the on the Death Eater side and people who you know because they're on one side switched to another you know I'm, I'm sure that all went on in his world too but he doesn't seem he still sees the world I don't think it's an age thing I think it's just who Harry is that he sees the world clearly in two sides my side and the enemies well I I, I get what you're saying I mean like I don't think he's quite that cruel. No. I mean, I don't think he's quite that, that simple. His motivation is just only stems from the fact that he knows how it turned out. And, it, and as far as Harry's concerned, he had nothing to live for. Because yeah, I'm not saying so badly. I don't think he's so, a bad person. No, but I can see a situation right. like you're saying, Mike. I can see a situation where, because of extreme circumstances, people are forced to do horrible things in the time of war. And does that make them a bad person? Does that mean that the people who, in those same extreme circumstances, did the right thing, you know, th- th- those people should have something to show for that. Those people shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't lump everyone in one group and say, oh, it was difficult. The people who stand and fight need to be recognized for that. I just don't see this as a situation. Like, this wasn't, like, a tough situation. This was, like, you, you know, scorched earth policy. Everybody died. Like, Oh, no, you're, you're, I'm not referring to his decision to go back in time. But, uh, is that what you thought I was No, to? I'm just saying that his experience wasn't one in a war, in a war that had a lot of gray. It was a very one-sided war. I don't think it was a one. I mean, what on what basis are we determining that it was a one, that there was only... Like, I'll give you an example. I was talking to someone from our boards, and I was talking to them, and they were telling me that, in their opinion, that if you took, like, a World War II setting, uh, anything 
an American did to any German was okay. Was it me? I knew it was someone. But I don't think it was me, though. I, I was just oh. asking because I talk about World War II a lot. But well, no. whatever. Whoever I was talking about it with, they were saying that whatever an ally did to anyone on the Axis was okay because everyone on the Axis right. was evil. But the Death and Eaters aren't sympathetic characters. They're not sympathetic characters. You can't convince me that no one that there's not a single person in Maybe, the but, camp. but that's not in this plot. I mean, the plot that we have now... Like, I've read fics before where it's an AU fic and Voldemort never fell and Cedric Diggory is a Death Eater because he because that's the, you, you become a Death Eater or you die. And, and those are your two options. And that you have the comment in, in Deathly Hallows where Neville will become a Death Eater. And you know he wouldn't, but you know that if Voldemort had survived that battle and had t- captured the world... You know, all of the eleven-year-old Gryffindors and Hufflepuffs would have been lined up, and they would have been given the choice: to become a Death Eater or die. What's your choice? My, my point is that it's not the world which is black and white. Either Harry's world or the cur- the world he came from, or the current world. It's Harry himself who sees it in black and white. And he sees none. I, I just I think that in the circumstance that there was, there was very little. There was very little gray, but I think Harry sees no gray, irregardless. Mm-hmm. Is it, is just my personal take on it. And, yeah, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I think that informs a lot of his decisions. But, like, I'm even looking through some of my notes here because I think we're in the winding down mode tonight. There were many things that I, I read that this is, like, new for me. I had time to read the chapters, then go back and, like, read them again and skim through them and take notes. Like, that was, like, ooh, that was new for me. One <laughs> thing I thought was great was Harry's interactions with Ginny. When he was buying her the wand? Yeah, when he, uh, not the wand, not when he bought her the secondhand clothes and Molly called her an evil person, which I still <laughs> insist was so You know what I mean? An evil person? I really would like to know the author's take on that. Like, why make Molly go to that extreme? Like, it almost turned me off at, at her, at Molly, because I was appalled that any mother could say that Well, it's like Jimmy's, like, in tears, like, afraid. Like, oh, it just well, seemed like a, it seemed like a hideous overreaction. I just thought that was a little... It was, um, well, then it didn't serve any purpose. What is the exact line? Do we have that? Right. It's somewhere in... Um, if I'll look it up. It's somewhere it's in like chapter... Um, only a really horrible person would accept. But at the same time, I really think that Harry goes overboard with paying his room and board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, really, I a 12-year-old... I have a 12-year-old and really... It wouldn't, you know, I mean, of course, he's a 30-year-old in a 12-year-old body or whatever, but, yeah, that just wouldn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, that's just not. But then again, a lot of this I just have difficulty with just because of that. Like, sometimes (laughs) it pulls me out of the story. Like, just the whole regimented training thing that they have going on. I I have a 12-year-old, and I'm telling you, the only thing she's going to get up for in the middle of the summer is, you know, I mean, she'd be hard-pressed to get up to, you know, if everyone in the neighborhood was getting together to meet at 9 o'clock in the morning to go build a, a tree fort in the woods or something. You know, what? not to, to go out and do calisthenics every morning, 11 and 12 years old. Because there's not, because there was a war, you know, but at the same time, I feel like if they're going to do that, it needs to be justified that they're seeing death, they're seeing war it's making them, but it just is like these kids deciding to like become militant. And well, it, it does. I, I can't believe that's the only thing that pulls me out. 
Now, here's the thing. It does become explained, like, like a little bit later on in future chapters. That, that does become explained a little bit more. But I'm just picturing <laughs> Harry running around the lake, and he's in the lead, right? And, like, there's a little bit. So he runs I past the camera. And then, oh, and then Ron, <laughs> and then Ron and Hermione are, like, it's, they're like, what the hell is up with the new guy? And they keep, like, running. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like it's like the part it's the part like when they when um it's like the first day of the second year and like um and Harry is like getting the people that he already knows together and then he's like bring Luna to and he's like what why <laughs> is this well no this it reminds me a lot of Barb's trilogy because in that one um it's a it's a yes similar, it it's does, a similar thing with, and like by like the third installment of it like Dumbledore looks out his office window and like all of the six years are running around the lake he's right. <laughs> like I didn't know we had a track team what the <laughs> Yeah, I'm lucky like, if I can get my 12-year-old outside to ride her bike for crying out loud, you know? I had a piece of calzone for lunch today, and I didn't even go. Like, we usually go for walks around, the, the like, the, the square of the city where I work at lunch. And today I'm like, oh, you know, that's such a lot. I think it's sprinkling us. <laughs> I don't want to go. Exactly. And then I'm reading this, it's like sixth graders, like, <gasps> I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could, maybe I could do more. I mean, I'm somebody that, like, enjoys to exercise, but. I think this is weird. <laughs> You're all like, I don't exercise, and I think this is weird, so I just have to throw that out there. Can anyone picture P.S. at the gym at 5.30 in the morning with her flowchart? <laughs> like, going, I am going to be on the treadmill, the treadmill until for... quarter of eight. And, <laughs> I don't know. That's just I, I, I can't deny it. And it's laminated. True. Do you go to the gym at 5.30 laminated. in the morning? No, no, I don't go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. Who wakes up at 5.30? Oh, my God. I, I used to work in high school. When you go to the gym, do you bring a chart with you? No, but I bring things to clean the machines with. Oh, you're a lane with the back. Our gym offers okay. that, yeah. What is, this is like 20 questions to P.S. I'm like, what do you do for work when you're <laughs> <out> of school? <laughs> do you go to the gym with an orange? <laughs> What's your favorite color, P.S.? Black. Green. <laughs> Green. And- She's a Slytherin. It was one of two. That's a cool one. By the way, you guys, I found that section. You guys weren't exaggerating at all about Molly. Like, not even a little bit. She's freaking evil in this. She pretty much calls, like, Ginny a whore almost. I know Harry does. It's like a a shocking statement. Only an awful person would take advantage of all the bad luck Harry has had. (laughs) Only a really selfish person (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. Who her half seven kids? And then she browbeats her. It's like, Molly. Uh, and Jenny's like, he bought me some robes because mine had holes in them. It's just like, oh my god. Sorry, you can't provide for me like a mother should. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Harry's paying the mortgage payment. For <laughs> He's like adding a security system. I've got ADT coming at four. To put. <laughs> can I just tell you? Can I just tell you because of the break into my house, we just got a new alarm system. I wasn't here when it was installed. 
Oh, no. Like, don't tell my mother I told you this, but she called me at work today to ask how double spacing works. She called me last week to ask how email works. Like, well, my mother doesn't, my, I have to tell you what my mother did. She doesn't know how double spacing works either. Yeah. So she had like, she had a document that she needed to double space. So she sat there and she hit enter after everything. <laughs> Wait, are we sure, like double space between Typing letters? Yeah, like in letters. When you said it's a double space, my mother didn't know what the thing was. But my mother was oh. here, and they explained to my mother how the new alarm system works and all. Oh the- God, help you! But oh. so I had to. So I asked her. She couldn't remember anything, so I turned the alarm on while we're in the house. I didn't know how to turn it off, so we're standing there, like, pressed <laughs> up against the wall, so we're not going to trigger the motion detector as I'm trying to read the manual without moving my, like, oh, it was really bad. I got trapped in my own home. But yeah, Harry's like, yeah, ABT's coming at four, and um, I'm gonna pick up the mortgage payment this month. But and and I bought and I bought Jeannie a new shirt, and Molly's like, I hate you. She's <laughs> like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. But um, there the, there's a great moment in here where Harry is talking to Jenny, and Harry says, "Stop laughing about the mortgage payment." I'm sorry. Harry is talking to Jenny, and he makes a comment that says, "Look, I'm not gonna treat you." like a little girl. I'm not going to treat you as someone who can be broken. You are a person and you are capable of doing things and I believe in you. And it's this meaningful, meaningful moment for Ginny where she's like, thank you. It's like, she wants to stop being treated like the baby. But Harry knows that about, she thinks Harry sees something in her. But the real thing about, and this, this you know, echoes back and bookends what we were talking about earlier. The real thing is, Harry, no, Harry ignores Ginny and then learns about her anyway and learns what she's capable of. So he goes back in time with the foreknowledge of 16-year-old Jenny. So when he meets 10-year-old, 11-year-old Jenny, he doesn't see these things in her, like for the first time, like he meets a stranger on the street. He knows they're in there because of the because of the two timelines and everything. But they are there. They're not... She doesn't become this, you know, very snarky, very capable 12-year-old as a result of you know, Harry manipulating her into becoming that, she's already that person, and Harry just recognizes it, but he recognizes it because he remembers it from the past, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of like the well, chick- I think there was a line, I think it must have been in Chamber, in the real books, where um, Ron says something where it's like, Ginny is acting weird. So like the Ginny, the, the, the early Ginny that we knew in canon isn't how she acted. So, right. yeah, yeah. You know? I'm guess, like, I, I don't think Harry's manipulating her into that. I agree with yeah. you there. But I don't think it's that she's innately that person and it just comes out earlier. I think it's more... I think she was that person all along. and that she, Because she was friends with Harry before she, he, she didn't have a crush on him. She wasn't shy around him. But yeah. she's always been the way she was. Because Ron said so. Yeah. But in they built their own relationship, sort of, without Ron. Mm-hmm. Well, I would hope they would build a relationship without Ron. <laughs> I mean, they were friends. It seems like they weren't friends through Ron. Can you picture Harry and Ginny on their honeymoon, like, and they look over at each other longingly from across the bed? Good night, Harry. Good night, Ginny and Ron, sleeping between them with a bat. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> That sounds like a I love Lucy or something. <laughs> it does. You all laugh, but you know it's true. Can I just point out, like, there was one, um, you know, it was from a year like another. I thought that randomly I, I misread something. No, it was, um, 
the the thing is, like, I felt like we were going through, like, you know, the Blossom years where there's the problem of the week. At one point, we discovered that Goyle isn't stupid. He's just dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> I love the point where they're like, something's wrong with Luna. We can't, oh, with Luna, you know, she's got all, you know, we, we looked into her mind and there's clouds in there. It's not right. And, you know, the toilets are flushing in the wrong direction. And, like, there's something weird with Luna. And then, then Hermione's like, okay, how many fingers am I holding up? Okay, how about okay? You're nearsighted. I thought was really weird. I was holding out for farsighted. Yeah, it, 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 so they put the glasses on her. I don't look attractive. Neville likes them. I'm fine with the glasses now. I just thought I don't know. Um, little moments. I just want to make sure I comment on before. Did anyone have anything they want to say before I do this? Anyone? Well, I heard. I just read the Balthazar Luck is getting canceled early. Uh, it's got one more year. Nope, they're not going to finish it. And Deathly Hallows is going to be in two movies. Okay, we're going to hang up on Mac now, because Mac just ruined Battlestar Galactica for me. Um, I, it actually... Can, oh, can I just tell you? I'll break it here. They're going to make a new Battlestar Galactica series. Really? Right. Is it that the new one? They're spinning... No, they're they're going to make a new series called Caprica. What that's, what's that? Why it's, are they ending it? No, they're, Battlestar has one year left. It's ending after the fourth Are they going to find Earth? I would hope so. Yeah, they're going to finish the story in the fourth season, and then they're doing a spinoff called Caprica, which is set 50 years earlier about the creation of the, of the uh, silence. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so things I just want to make sure I, I uh, get in here to talk about. Um, two things, and these are Harry Ginny things, so Mac can jump in here if he wants. Um, when you, like, look back, there's some things in the story, just the way it's phrased, sometimes really hit me. Like, when Ginny died in the future... The one, not the fact that Ginny died or the way she died didn't really impact me as much as knowing that Harry would have to spend the night at the borough and go from there to her funeral. That was just a very powerful image for me, like him looking in her room and, and still seeing, you know, her room the way she left it, knowing that she's dead. And he's in the house with Molly and Molly's daughters. Just, just the concept really hit me. It was me. heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking, exactly. And the one thing that was very heartbreaking was in their second year Transfigurations classes, they make Christmas tree ornaments. And Harry made his Christmas tree ornament in the original timeline. I forget what it was. And I think it was like a snitch or something. And he, um, he, he put it on the tree in the Gryffindor common room and he lost track of it after that. Like so many other art projects, he lose track of the thing. And when he goes into Ginny's room after she died, she kept his Christmas tree ornament. And that was just, that, I just thought that was a very, it's like Neville giving Harry the picture of their parents together at the hospital when they were born. It's a really powerful moment that comes out of, I think the plot because Harry makes a different Christmas tree ornament this time. He wants to separate the timeline. And um, that moment was very powerful. And the last moment I just want to mention from these chapters is at the very end of chapter 22, when they're going back on the Hogwarts express, when, when uh, Ginny shoots an evil look at Colin, it's when he's walking around taking pictures of everyone. And he, Ginny takes a picture with Harry and he makes a comment Colin makes a comment to Ginny that you two look really good together. And Ginny gets very embarrassed and gets very um, blustered. I just thought that was a really... It was a cool moment. It was just... There's a picture out there of the two of them floating around where they look really good together. It's just, you know, with so much bad stuff happening, it's just... I Those little moments just stand out to me. So, I thought those were really good. The picture, you know, the thinking to your eyes picture? That was the same picture where, where Ginny's standing there with weird braids in her hair and Harry looks perplexed. What picture are you talking about? If you go and sink into your eyes... The website, the uh, the banner above. That picture? <laughs> That's not from this. What? <laughs> Are you kidding? You haven't met Mac, yeah. have you? 
I think Jen's <laughs> Jen's dying over there, and Jen's even like, no, no, I am dying. I am dying over here, but I'm like Thanks looking so as well. All right, we. All right, we're going to get out of here right now because, quite frankly, Jen is dying and she needs to go by Battlestar Galactica. So with that, next week, I have no idea what chapters we're going up to. It's probably going to be near the end of the fic. We're going to have Viridian on, hopefully, in the next couple weeks. And that's all I have. Anyone else have anything? I miss you guys. Mac, we miss you, too. You disappeared for nine months, but you were out fighting forest fires, so you have an exemption. All right. So where are you off to tomorrow, do you think? Uh, Right now, it's looking like Missouri. Missouri? Oh my go gosh, I love Branson. You love what? I'm going for vacation. My, Branson. Yeah. <laughs> he's going... <laughs> Jen's like, he's going to play golf. Jen, he's going to rescue people from floods. But Branson, Missouri is really awesome. Well, Not thunder, anymore. Is it underwater? <laughs> I don't know. It's I, like will, the I will let you all know before I leave where I end up going, if I end up going anywhere. There I is- might not. And do me a favor, respond to my Facebook messages when I send them. Like, I go on his Facebook page and I send messages, and the only things, the activity on there is Mac is like, says hi to his girlfriend. Mac's girlfriend says hi to Mac. And I'm like, How Ryan says hi to Mac, too. Is this the same girlfriend? <laughs> yes. What? Yes, it's the same girlfriend. I'm a, well, I'm not really a one-woman kind of guy, but I'm a pretty long term kind of guy. I'm so glad that y'all are still together. I remember when y'all first got together. <laughs> I love I love Jen's comment. Did you break up? <laughs> no, that's not what you I mean. Right. I was going to talk about her if he broke up with her and then I'd feel terrible. <laughs> what? You can't blame <laughs> Karma. <laughs> it's because well, you I got mean. rid of the Buddha room. <laughs> Oh my god. Jen gets rid of the Buddha. All of a sudden, a mailbox flies over the house. (laughs) (laughs) Try the zinc, Jen. It'll help. This is the weirdest podcast. Oh, I'm falling asleep. And nobody's on drugs. This is what happens, unfortunately, when we don't take drugs during the podcast. All right, with that, we are going to bed. We'll see you all back next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Night. Bye. Jen, come back and say goodnight. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> oh, we'll just be glad the four track was broke that day. Cause you grabbed the guitar and I heard you say that the top of the pops better get ready for the new hit single from the And now, a word from our peons. I just realized something. What? What? When I host this, I can see my own name. Well, that's what happens when you host an episode. It's like you have your big boy pants on today. (laughs) Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Peoncast. I'm P.S. Mike. Jen, too. I'm Keza. And tonight, our fic is the the Dumbledore's Army Drabble series by Canby. And there will be a link on the forums if you want to read it. I thought I was going to pee my pants at about 2.30 this morning. Literally. The Skype I got from her this morning was pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to say it word for word, but last night has to be recorded. Why? Diatribe about how bad it was. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. Maybe we should uh maybe we should redo it. <laughs> and I'll participate this time and it'll just be that much more fun because I'm I actually, I was afraid it had like deleted itself cuz I was sitting there saying but, but how bad can it be? Like I'm sure it can't be that bad. And then I actually listened to it and I went, "Oh, that's bad." <laughs> that really <laughs> well, bad. I knew that it was bad because I sent it to Joe's server this morning. <laughs> And, you know, Joe's really good, so I thought, you know, surely if there's anything that's salvageable about it, you know, he'll, right away, he'll say, oh, Jen, we can save this. <laughs> and Did he say it was awful? Uh, you know, what the, did he say instead? <laughs> he's like, oh, this is really <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> you know, I was praying that when I got a chance to give it to Joe, that he would wave some wand over it and make it right. And then the first thing he did was just ruin my whole damn day. You know, then explained to Mike that the file was trash. And were you nice to him or just be like, you can't ever record it? No, I was very yes. nice. Well, see, Mike, have, Mike and I have a strange relationship, so I would have, I would have taken... The opportunity to, to just lay into him because it's fun. Poor old You're nicer Mike. than me. Well, he already <laughs> thinks I'm a conservative, so <laughs> I'm not pushing my luck. So I'm feeling a bit of deja vu. I'm feeling Not me. intense deja vu. <laughs> I wasn't here last time, so this is a first for me, so I get to enjoy it for the first time. So yay. Yay. And since we're missing Mike, there were some th- he told me to bring up some things, so Oh Christ. <laughs> Wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, you did. Damn it. I'm always Laying doing that. that. Out. <laughs> you did say it, unfortunately. I heard some. About, I heard uh, some things about some of his unique rants from yesterday. I'm just curious if he has, uh, if he has conscripted PS to bring those same rants into our discussion today. He told me to bring it up. I, I, I didn't say I would rant. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to. He made me. Nah, it's cool. I got. It. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Peoncast. This is P.S. I'm Jen 2. I'm Keza. And I'm Richard. And tonight we are doing the Dumbledore's Army Drabble series by Canby. It's a post-DH fic, and it's a series of Drabbles focusing on the various members of Dumbledore's Army. And one of the things that I think is most interesting about this fic is that all the characters that it focuses on are relatively minor. You don't have Ginny or Neville or Luna who are... The characters that you tend to think of when you think of fix that are writing about what was happening at Hogwarts during Deathly Hallows. And this was this was one of the first post-Deathly Hallows fix that I read, and it, I really liked it. So that's why I brought it up for us to discuss tonight. You know, um, I have one thing I want to say, and this is the only time I plan on going off-topic on purpose tonight. It's only for a Really? Anytime. Yeah, <laughs> I promise. Um <laughs> Keep in mind, I said intentionally, by the way. If I accidentally go off, that's different. But anyhow, anytime somebody says uh, Dumbledore's army, because I'm used to just hearing the DA, I keep remembering the scene in the Order of the Phoenix movie where uh, the only part I actually like Gambin, where he, he does the, uh, you know, it's it's Dumbledore's army, not Potter's army, blah, 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 blah. And then he does the whole Phoenix escape thing. And that was just a pretty much an awesome scene. And I get reminded of it every time I hear that. And I'm going to be quiet. Well, you know, I kind of <laughs> like that scene, too, because Kingsley turns to Fudge and he's like, you know, you got to admit, it's got class. 
Yes. See, I didn't like it when I saw it because I didn't remember that it was in the book. I was like, on the whole way home, I was bitching about how they added this stupid stuff. And then I looked in the book, it was there, and I shut up. You didn't remember that? <laughs> I always thought no. that was so funny in the book. You know how I think that must be. A, I think that must be a real American thing because everyone always raves about it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> Just like, everyone's like, it's so good, it's so funny. I'm like, did you say Sean. sharing? Or shearing. Shearing. We were shearing the sh- Oh, okay. I thought like I thought I heard you say sharing. Sharing. Like, Here we share? are. No, he didn't Excuse want me. to share the sheep. Was he like yours? That was the whole problem. He didn't want to share his Here sheep. we are again. Back <laughs> again to vowel sounds. <laughs> what was it yesterday? <laughs> we lost the one from evaporative. Evaporative. Evap- it's evaporative. Ev- evaporative. Yes. <laughs> and Mike's going, what? What did BS had to translate? How to speak Australian. Yeah. Got an air conditioner. I've only got evaporative cooling, though, so it's not very effective. And I have to keep going outside, you know, so I can't sort of sit in it all the time. And there's one building at uni that's got no air conditioning. It's been awful. You said a sentence in there that I had no idea what you said. Right after air conditioner? Evaporative air conditioning. Is that what you mean? I still don't know what that was that you just said. Evaporative air conditioning. You don't know what that is. All I hear is evaporative. Evaporative. Oh, I, I have to translate it into American. <laughs> it's evaporative. <laughs> I get you like the air conditioning. An evaporative air conditioner. Wow. Poor, poor Mike. He's not here to defend I himself. Have a, I have an evaporative air. That is the strangest. What? Yeah, I used to think the How to Speak Australian commercials were just silly, but now I'm thinking maybe we need a How to Speak Australian. You had commercials <laughs> about How to Speak Australian. We did. It was actually a, a beer Australian. commercial. You know, yeah. Like, it's not been. Yeah. Foster's Australian for It's not beer. been too long ago. Foster's Australian for Foster's. For beer. Foster's. We need to bring, at least Not bring back Crocodile Dundee. You call that a knife? <laughs> this is a knife. Knife. A knife. <laughs> Do you remember that time when he pulls out the, the can of uh, like SpaghettiOs or something and chucks it all the way down the street in like downtown New York? <laughs> right down the head. That is fantastic. <laughs> I, I think it's the second one where he walks over there. Yeah, that wasn't the, the first in the, one. Um, in the train station. Is it the first one? And he walks over them like he's walking over the top of the sheep. <laughs> That, that cracks me up every time. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> and they're all just looking at him and his clients are... I tell, I tell you he's fallen out of favour in Australia and probably the rest of the world, but Tom Cruise. Because when he dumped Nicole Kidman, that was it. You know, all the rest of the couch jumping and the rubbish, irrelevant. Absol- he dumped Nicole Kidman? No, no more. You no have more to be Tom. retarded to dump Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise, especially for Katie Holmes. But anyway. Well, he, I mean, you just well, don't. You just, <laughs> I was angry at him for dumping Nicole Kidman. I would do Nicole Kidman. He used to. <laughs> that's who you turn gay for. I, t- <laughs> I turn gay for Nicole Kidman. <laughs> that's who he used to be Australia's favorite son-in-law. Not anymore. I'd turn gay for Nicole Kidman. I would. Good. I would. Well, good on you for admitting it and backing me up, cuz. <laughs> She's hot. She is. She is She's hot. hot. I'm not afraid to admit it. Who's hotter? Naomi Watts is hotter. Oh, she's pretty hot, too. I'd do her as well. Naomi Watts. I wonder if we can get uh, Tom Cruise to come on the next Pion cast. I have. doubt he's read the fic. I bet he has. I have a feeling he's sitting there just like, I don't know if he's reading necessarily Harry Potter fix, but he's doing some crazy ridiculous <laughs> thing or like building huge <laughs> massive model trains or something just really off the wall. <laughs> then he can I'm start model that, train cast. I used to have a thing for model trains and you, know, you ever play with the little Richard. cars that you maybe, I don't know, might be kind of... Yeah, okay. Sorry. We are I'll so shut up. far gone at this point. So, so let's just back up. Yes. 
So, I believe I already made some comments about it before our off-topic trip through Hollywood, so... <laughs> so, Michael Corner. Um, I was actually kind of interested with the way they talked about him here. I mean, I sort of really hated him when he was in, like, Half-Blood Prince. Well, I don't think he really had much... He didn't have any lines. He was just kind of mentioned as being there. I don't think he really did anything to hate. Yeah. We should do the whole thing that we did last night with who our favorite one was. From me saying that my favorite was Hannah, because she never really had anything in canon. We never got to find out anything about her beyond the fact that her mother died. And I liked how, through her drabble, it shows how it made her stronger and it gave her the courage to, to basically to stand up to Snape and the Caros without really standing up. So she gives the teachers incorrect reports on her fellow students and she stares Snape down lying to his face. She organizes meetings and makes sure the first years keep to their buddy system. Hannah is a lioness and they killed her mother. She protects her cubs and vows they will not kill her family again. And that happens to actually be the last line of the fic. And I think that may be why Hannah's was my favorite Drabble, because it leaves you with a really powerful feeling. You see, I would, I agree with you that I like Hannah the best, sort of a little bit differently, though. Um, because, like you said, in the canon, you don't really hear much about her. But, like, with this, it kind of goes on about how she's gone through these things and she's sort of, you know, stepping up her rebellion in her own ways, protecting people, lying as she needs to. Either, uh, I don't know if Snape called or if he just avoided it, but that's a whole other story. But, I mean, she's doing all this stuff, and it's just, it's got a level of uh, awesomeness in her character, and I just really enjoyed reading it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. I guess I just didn't word it. No, I got that. that. Indicated that's what I meant. <laughs> I mean, it's the the way, the thing is, it's like, if Hannah was characterized like this in all the fics about yeah. Hannah, then yeah. I would totally read tons of fics about Hannah, you know? As would I. I also enjoyed, uh, he's not my favorite by far, but I also enjoyed the one about Ernie McMillan. I did too. Because he, you know, it goes into about, he ends up getting along better with Seamus, because Seamus is lonely without Dean, and then he's just... I don't, I don't know. I just I just really like him. I like him because he's humbled. You know, it's like he, he finally realizes that why the war is going on and why blood doesn't mean anything and now Justin's gone. And I like the bit where it says, he likes the DA, even if the Ravenclaws are a bit uppity and the Gryffindors are a bit gung-ho. To his surprise, he likes Seamus' company. With Dean also in hiding, Ernie suspects Seamus feels lost and useless too. I think it's interesting to his surprise. He, they've spent, this is their seventh year, they've spent six years as as schoolmates and it takes this long and he's surprised that he actually likes Seamus's company. I think that just goes to show how indicative the divisiveness of the house system is altogether but anyway that's just one little detail I wanted to say. My thing is I really liked Padma. Yeah? Yeah. I liked Padma because she turned into Madame Pomfrey. Yeah. And she took it upon herself to be the DA healer, and she was very, very strong. And we didn't get to see very much of Padma at all in canon. And all we saw was Parvati, and Parvati was... Brain dead. ...chatty and social and catting around with Lavender. And so we didn't really have anything to base Padma on, other than the fact that she was a Ravenclaw, and so we would automatically assume that she was smart and bookish. So here we have, you know, information on Padma, and we're finding out that, you know, basically she's a pillar of strength for the DA, and she basically is is one of their leaders and somebody that they can all turn to when it gets really bad. And so I think that it's interesting that we're seeing a character that basically we saw nothing of in canon turn out to be somebody that's so pivotal during 
this year. And I also, I did like Parvati and Lavender's bit because you always sort of see them as being just these really superficial girly girls, but I think this fic showed the depth of their friendship and I liked that. And I did too. I really like, I, you pointed it out last night when we talked about it, I'll point it out again, is that Lavender says that she knows that Padma is Parvati's true sister and given the choice, Parvati would save Padma over her and it makes her sad because she treasures Parvati over everyone and yet when you go to Parvati, Parvati says she knows that Lavender is wrong and that Padma is her blood sister and her twin but her other half is Lavender's Lavender There isn't any way to describe her other than that Parvati would drown without her. And that goes a lot to talk about how much you need your friends around you for support and how important it is to have a net of friends around you when times are bad. And then it jumps down and parallels the whole Seamus and Ernie McMillan. And I think that in some ways it even it paralleling what's going on with Harry, Ron and Hermione as well. During Deathly Hallows when Ron goes, Harry and Hermione are just it's not the same without him when he's gone. And if Ron didn't come back you know harry would have drowned and it's sort of like yeah. harry and hermione it, it's established in the book and you know, like i know this is going to hurt richard but that they have a brotherly sisterly thing going on yes 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 <laughs> but but they still need ron their friend they still need it you know ron saves harry's life and and then you know of course hermione needs him and stuff so it's almost like a parallel there of, of house of, of friendships as well you know, you know what i mean but the, the whole thing that i think we're noticing in all these stories as well is that the war itself actually didn't really get really really started in my opinion until um the stuff in dh started happening and now before all of it really started going down of course you had lavender who was one of the the caddy girly girl types and she had her people and everybody had their own sort of thing but once everything started happening like it became real for everybody because it was their classmates that were getting hauled off by the ministry and stuff like that was going on that everybody started going under these sort of transformations and people started their attitudes changed obviously they're detailing it pretty well here in this it's one of the reasons I liked it so much is that it, it's showing how everybody... In very few words, it, it interties so much about Deathly Hollows. It says so much in just these few little drabbles. It just tells us a lot about what happened. That's what I was trying you to know, say. You know, at first read, if you, if you read through it quickly, you're just like, oh... Yeah, that's a few drabbles. And then you go back and you start looking at it again and you think about it in terms of of really what happened and you're like, whoa, that's kind of heavy. I was trying to say something similar to that, but I failed myself. (laughs) You did excellently. I'm sorry, Richard. (laughs) No, no, you helped it make me not seem retarded, so thank you. Always a plus. (laughs) Always a plus. So do we have anything else to bring up? Not about the fic. I'll tell you what we're missing. I don't know if we want to recreate it. Is the, why aren't there any Slytherins in this fic? (laughs) What we're missing is what Mike wanted us to talk about. He wanted us to talk about why, his question was, why aren't there any Slytherins in the fic? That's what I just said. And there aren't any Slytherins in the fic because there weren't any Slytherins in the DA. And this is a fic about the DA, so there are not going to be any Slytherins in it. I don't think it shows an anti-Slytherin bias on the part of the author. I think it shows the fact that it's a story about the DA. Of course Slytherin. They only had a a better... better representation of what it meant to be Slytherin than Draco Malfoy in the books. Well, they had a really good representation in Snape, but of course he had to be all Slytherin because he was being, you know, a spy. 
Why? Slughorn was a good representation. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Jesus Christ, Slughorn. Well, he came. Yeah, he came through. Okay, Slughorn he came through. indeed come through. I have nothing against Slughorn, he a- but he he suffers from the lack of courage and indifference that most of his house had until he was convinced by Dumbledore to join the cause. That's all. That is not true. I feel that no, way. he came back. I mean, he came on his own. I mean, he came and she said he came back and he brought reinforcements. I mean, who do you think called Charlie Weasley in Romania to tell him, hey, your family's dying. Why don't you come help? We don't know how that happened. We just know that Charlie was running past Slogan because he's slow, but at the same time, I'm not saying he didn't do a good job after he was brought back. I'm just saying that he was running around hiding for a year. But that's not because he he's Slytherin. That's not because he's Slytherin. That was just because that's he because was old and fat. That's because he's right. who he is. That's because he's who his person is. Yeah, I, I'm, th- there's lots of people that would have done that, like I'm sure. It's because he ate crystallized pineapple, you know? I mean, this was the kind of dude he was. It's because he's awesome. The way what I see, well, it looks like to me he, that... He wore, he wore velvet smoking jackets. Indeed. And pajamas. Do you think he wanted to get them bloody? That's not okay, fun. Okay, well, hang, exactly. hang on, hang on, hang on. Come on. Hang on a second. <laughs> Slughorn didn't get his nails dirty. Come on. He's a bit of a dandy, isn't he? <laughs> maybe maybe it's the Gryffindor in me saying this, but everybody else who stood up and took a stand at the beginning to fight people who had backbones, people who actually cared about more than themselves, I'm not saying he didn't, but it took a lot for him to actually do that. He had to have a great deal of not only baiting, convincing, and stuff to just to... to but by the time Harry gets the memory from him, he has finally realized how wrong he is. Yep, I mean, and he was hiding because he knew how wrong he was. I'm not saying he was bad. And by the end, he charges into battle with the best of them. So right, I right at the to, head of the thing. I have to vote with P.S. <laughs> that I was very you proud of You guys are twisting my words. Yay. Come on. What I'm saying, all I'm saying is... Okay, and on that note, that was the D.A. Drabble series by Kambi. <laughs> yes, and should we say what we're doing next week? We should. We're Next week we are doing A Distinctly Different Manner of Finding Prince Charming by Maya. And that is a McGonagall Flitwick fic? It is indeed. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. I look forward to reading that. <laughs> it, it's pretty snarky Minerva. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and there'll be a link, so make sure you check it out. Yep. This is P.S. I'm Jen 2. I'm Keza. And I'm Richard. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good night. So long. Farewell. Au revoir. Bye-bye.